Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And welcome to a brand new live Friday episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! Yeah. As I said, we are back here on a Friday, having some fun with you all. You know, we've been looking forward to, we've been having fun doing these Friday shows, and every once in a while, we like going live so we can touch with the touch base with the people, not touch the people, but touch base with the people. And uh, have fun with them, hearing from them about everything that's going on in the world of geekery in a much more quicker way here. And we're excited to be talking to you all. We're going to have some Marvel news to jump into, some trailers. Uh, we've got uh, Roka's Roundup coming up. And, of course, our main topic will be the top five movies of the summer of 2023. So start making your lists now as we're doing the show and compare them to ours by the time we get to that section of the show. And, of course, we'll also have Streamlabs, Super Chats, we're going to take all of them and answer your questions as we go along, fans Q&A throughout uh, the episode as well. But we appreciate you all hanging out with us. But let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And I'm still thinking about Roca wanting to touch the people. And this is Shannon McClellan, oh, an animation my. writer and a television actor. And I didn't hear anything about Roka touching people because I'm making my list of the top five movies of the summer. But I am way dialed in now. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah, good, exactly. good. Exactly. Thank God. <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, as I said, Streamlabs Super Chats are open. I'm going to pin it in the chats in the description of the video as well. Send in your questions, thoughts, and comments now as we go along. If you want to guarantee that we'll address them, of course, we'll take questions out of the main chat as well, but just a way of kind of balancing things out and supporting the show and supporting us coming to you live uh, when we do these live shows here on uh, the Geek Buddies and on the Outlaw Nation channel. All right, uh, Michael, uh, I think you're going to kick us off uh, here to start off the show. What's going on? I sure am. Well, what's going on is things are a moving. That's what's going on. Uh, Hollywood Reporter announced that Marvel is shuffling its TV calendar for probably several reasons. Um, obviously, the strike being the biggest one, but uh, some of these others, it seems like uh, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, there's the strike. There's the fact that I think everybody agrees that we're maybe reaching a Marvel saturation point and spreading mm. things out. Uh, over time maybe is a little bit better. 
Um, that seems to be what Bob Iger said when he kind of came back in with Disney Plus. Uh, and with some of the animated things, it probably sounds like they're just not quite done when they needed to be done. But here is what we've got. Um, what if Echo, Agatha, Coven of Chaos, which is now called Agatha Darkhold Diaries, formerly called Agatha House of Harkness, the name <laughs> keeps changing, uh, are among the titles. Let's see what we got here. We have got Loki still coming out when we thought it yes. is coming out on October 6th. Everyone's excited. We talked about the trailer. Mm -hmm. It looks good. It is coming. It is done. We will see if it meets expectations and we will be here to review every episode. Yeah. Um, what if season two, which was originally slated for an early 2023 release, uh, which we have long since passed, looks like it is coming out around Christmas Day. So a little bit of a Christmas present. We'll have Loki in October. We'll get a season two of what if coming around Christmas Day. No official date, but uh, close. So uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and uh, Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, everybody. And then we have got Echo. Uh, has shifted from November 29th to January of 2024 sometime. They're still releasing all of the episodes on the same day, which, mm -hmm. as we discussed, probably doesn't bode great for yeah. Echo and its quality level. But uh, we will not know in November. We will now know in January. And then X-Men 97, the animated series that is the spiritual continuation of the 1990s series that we all grew up loving and we all love the theme song, um, was originally planned for fall 2023 and it is now going to premiere in early 2024. So not too far back. Um, and then Agatha, as I said, uh, House of Harkness, now Darkhold Diaries. Uh, was supposed to be winter 23 and it's pushed back all the way to fall 2024 where it's going to serve as sort of a lead into Halloween. So if you are excited about Agatha coming soon, you are no longer excited about that. Mm. Additionally to those, um, Ironheart, which is focused on Riri Williams, who was introduced in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, was supposed to have dropped this fall, but is now off the schedule. Uh, it did finish its shooting, but completion of all the episodes was affected by the strike. So that's sort of just on a TBD. Uh, and then Daredevil Born Again, which was a continuation of the Netflix series as Daredevil, Matt Murdock, Kingpin, all of the characters, or at least the characters, those two characters and hopefully others from the Netflix series are moving over to the MCU, was expected for spring 2024, but was paused mid-production. Uh, and Wonder Man, which we had also uh, discussed when it was announced, is also paused in mid-production because of the strikes. So that is what we got. So we've got a couple things moving. I think probably Agatha is the one that looks like it's moving the furthest. Everything mm. else looks like, oh, end of the year into the beginning of next year. Uh, and then Wonder Man and Daredevil kind of big question marks because – they kind of stopped in the middle of shooting. So, yeah. Yeah. like I said, some of it's the strike. Some of it is, I think, Marvel and Disney deciding, let's spread some things out and not, like, dogpile Marvel stuff every two... I mean, I will say, during the pandemic, when we got all the Marvel stuff, I was thrilled. Yeah, sure. Now, yeah, probably taking a little bit of space is good. Um, but yeah, gentlemen, what do you think of all of these? What are you surprised about? What are you not surprised about? What are you disappointed about? One that I'm actually pleasantly surprised, even though it's it's a delay. I mean, I think moving 
Agatha to Halloween is a great move. Yeah. Um, you know, this is I mean, this is a series about witches. And I think that coming around around Halloween is 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 smart, even though like for the folks that were so excited about it, you got to wait a little bit longer. It was like last year when they released Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Around Halloween. Yeah. Like that's that to me, that's that's a that's a great move. I feel like a lot of movies that came out this summer that maybe didn't do as well, like Haunted Mansion, like Voyage of the Demeter, you release those in October, wow. they do a lot better. No, they do a lot better. I mean, even though, yes, we saw Voyage of the Demeter and that ship ran aground yeah. very fast. <laughs> I agree with you on Haunted Mansion, even though it wasn't great. Voyage of the Demeter, I don't know when, I don't know when you bring that movie out and it does good. It was not a good movie. I mean, I think in October it, ma- it, it makes more money because people want to see stuff like that. I beg October. to differ, but go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Um, the, the Echo Echo is interesting because I guess it was kind of sandwiched in between Loki and where What If was going to go or where, where What If is going. But it's like, okay, if you're, you're kind of like just throwing it all on at the same time, like, yeah, throw it on in January at that point. Um, outside of that, I mean, it's it's not a surprise with with wonder man and daredevil because if you know you're not done you just you don't know (laughs) at at this point and you don't know when you're gonna restart iron heart's interesting uh as that was pretty much i thought filming was actually done but it is probably they need to do adr and everything probably still like that's that's an interesting that's an interesting one just to entirely take off the schedule but you know, with them delaying all the movies, like, you know, Secret Wars being delayed well, until 27 now, it's like, okay, yeah. we we have some time. Like, we don't have to date these right away. If we have a couple of bullets in the chamber, that's that's well, okay, I think. Go ahead, John. Go, go ahead, man. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say, well, and the, the other issue that they have, uh, given that it's Marvel, is some things you want closer to other things. Like, this is just about the TV side. It's not about the feature side. Secret Wars, for sure, but there's other things, too. There might be reasons that they want to hold Ironheart because they need to wait until she appears. She's going to appear in this, and you want the TV show coming out closer, too. So there's probably some shuffling that kind of gets into the more convoluted MCU schedule of it all. Yeah, they just released the official timeline the other day in a book that is going to be coming out. So you'll have like everything mapped out for you. I hope they're including when uh, Rhodes became a scroll in that timeline as well to finally lock that down once and for all. But there's a I told lot you of when what, I told you that? when he became a, I told you when he became a scroll yes, yeah, after Iron looks... after Iron Man one. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, and I hope they bring Terrence back. That would but, be awesome. but a pretty poor scroll didn't even look like Terrence. <laughs> like a completely different guy <laughs> they don't all look alike you anyway, oh my uh, yeah, god but, but for me i i i think this is very 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 interesting to see this of course the strike obviously showing you uh oh, oh, sorry influencing the situation but this also shows you that they clearly do not think this is going to be over anytime soon strike wise a lot of people thought labor day which is of course monday this thing was going to be settled But as we just saw with the Directors Guild drama, with the mail situation that happened, the email situation that happened, as we saw now with the the CEOs of AMT, PTP finally getting together to discuss what they should do, trying to hire a new crisis uh, firm, and then having that crash and burn with that article in the New York Times this past weekend. And then the WGA and the SAG after strikes, the numbers are astronomical of the people showing up here in force. The new Gallup poll showing that 76% of Americans, almost 80% of Americans, support the writers and the actors in this situation. This is a bad time for the studios right now. So logically, 
this makes sense right now. And I think this to move stuff. And I also think this fits um, for what Iger wants to do with Disney, right? He came back and he's making all these cuts, making all these changes. A lot of people talking that he's going to start trimming the fat here to make Disney a much more attractive property to buy uh, for Apple. And we'll see if that happens. But that's there's the rumors are growing louder and louder that that is from from much more reputable areas of the business, that that might be what's happening here. And I think it's just smart overall because Marvel right now has been taking it on the chin in a lot of ways. Not only the reaction from the fans, from the critics, but also offset stuff like with Jonathan Majors, uh, the Dena um, Chuerta the accusations. Uh, there have been arguments about like the cohesiveness of these of these of the new timeline, the phases, all this stuff. So it's kind of smart to take a step back, move this stuff over. Let's see what we can develop. Let's see what's happening. And then we'll drop it where we want to drop it. And Ironheart is a is a great uh, um, one to bring up, Shannon, because, yeah, you're right. Because, look, we may have enjoyed Riri in the, in the film, but it did not blow up. Her character did not blow up. You know, it wasn't on uh, lunch boxes and b- backpacks and everyone's talking about. No, it was kind of great. We'll see what happens down the road. So, And the people coming out of Secret Invasion really were upset about what they did with Rhodes. And Rhodes is going to be a very big part of, uh, of Ironheart. So... These are these things that they kind of have to figure out. So to me, the pushing makes a lot of sense, but the pushing also says that this is a damaged brand right now, and they know they've got to be much more careful with how they're creating their projects and looking them over a little bit more, a few more passes, so they want to make sure that when these things come out, they're hits, so they can restore a little bit more of the luster onto the brand as well. That's kind of how I take this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I... uh you know, I am glad that I'm not a Marvel exec right now. That's all I'll say. Like, I mean, look, a lot of like a lot of this stuff is out of their control. A lot of like what you said about the strike. I mean, it just yeah. it sucks for a lot of shows. I mean, there's so many things that stopped mid production. Things that we're excited about, other shows, yeah, other yeah. content that's out there. Like, there's there's just a lot of stuff that's on hold right now. There's a lot of people that are really frustrated. Um, but even in addition to that, as you said, you know, Marvel. It's not what it once was. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I do think spreading things out, whether that was by their creative choice or by necessity, um, probably a good idea. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we've talked about it over the past several weeks. I, uh, I wish... I mean, as we're reporting all this and stuff moving around, you're kind of, I'm kind of, I remember there was a time when Marvel stuff moved and got pushed. We were all like severely disappointed. Right, right. Like we were so excited. And now it's like, yeah, okay, we'll get it when we get it. Cool. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not what you want. It's not what yeah. you want to feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent truth for sure. Uh, Mira Mirian uh, coming in with a super chat saying, also, is it just me or every time I hear about another Marvel show, I'm like, eh. I guess I'll watch, but the excitement is completely depleted. Yeah, a lot of people did not yeah. watch Secret Invasion. I, I've heard from a number of people that they haven't even watched it or they've watched the recap videos that recap the entire season that are like 15 minutes long on YouTube. Uh, to Probably uh, Shannon showed Shaney that. So, I mean, these are these things that you see going on. Do you guys... Do you guys think that too? That a lot of people are just not that excited to to when a new Marvel show is in. I mean, honestly, tell the truth. How 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 many of these shows besides Loki were you guys going? Oh, I can't wait to see this one. I can't wait to see this one. How many of them were you really excited about? I am ex. I, mm, wow. I'm, I'm excited about What If season two. 
Okay. I thought what if was I, th- I think what if was great and I and I also think really? that what if given the nature of what it is uh kind of falls a little bit outside of the MCU fatigue. Like it's not weighed down under its own weight. It by its okay. very definition just lets us have fun with these characters in ways that you can't do in the MCU. So yeah. I was and am still excited about that. Um X-Men 97, I'm very excited and curious about all the Marvel animated stuff, which mm-hmm. you know what two Comic-Cons ago we saw the panel where they were kind of touting everything and aside from the group shorts, yeah. nothing has actually come out yet um but i'm very curious to see that x-men show and see what it's like how much does it feel like the 97 uh, how long does it feel how much does it feel like the 90s x-men right in good ways how much does it feel like the 90s x-men in bad ways like there's just a lot of question but interest agatha is the one that i'm probably still excited about because i think it's it it's uh, tangentially related to wandavision okay. which i still think was the peak of excitement, like kind of Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home, and WandaVision. That whole kind of area was when we were all peak Marvel fans. Right. Um, So Agatha still, to me, has a little bit of that. But I I agree with the comment that, in general, I mean, that's what I was just saying, the general excitement level for new Marvel stuff compared to what it was, uh, even for us, and we are geeky enough that we do this multiple times a week mm. uh it seems to be waning shannon any of these i mean be honest like where's your feeling on all these shows overall where you has the has the excitement waned i guess for you too i mean across the board yeah i mean with but that's because we've just had so much i mean yeah. you know you go back to phase two phase three you know, you would have several months. Sometimes you would have a year before something would come out. So it was just more of an event. Um, uh, what if season two? Definitely. I really liked what if season one. It always yeah. surprises me in conversations with people talking about Marvel, Marvel on Disney Plus, how low that that ranks. Because yeah. I I just thought it was so it was so well told. Now there are some episodes that i like more than others like there are definitely peaks and valleys but across the board the fact that they were that the fact that they did it that to know that like oh we're we're kind of breaking open the multiverse let's see how many of these big names we can get back to voice their characters in sort of an interesting animation style i I was like man this 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 is scratching me where i itch so it coming out around christmas i'm like yeah that's a great christmas present um agatha was the one for me as well Probably for like for the reasons that Vogel said, but also I just love Catherine Hahn and I love mm-hmm. Catherine Hahn in that role. And of all the side characters that have been introduced in the Disney Plus series, she's the one that I'm like, that makes the most sense. Like, that's a character that I want to see where they go. Yeah. The one that I'm the most interested in is Daredevil because, mm-hmm. as exciting as it was for Vincent D'Onofrio to come back in Hawkeye as exciting as it was to see Charlie Cox and She-Hulk. Um, that Netflix show was really good. Yeah. And knowing that they are going to, t- they are not going to go as hard edged as ne- Netflix did. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think, I-, I don't think it's a possibility. So I'm curious what that show is going to be. And also that they are embracing 
um, that longer series order. Like how, I, I mean, I forget how many it's supposed to be, but it is way longer yeah. than, than yeah. anything we've gotten to this point. Um, Ironhide, I'm curious in because, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen's supposed to be playing Mephisto. Yeah. So this character that's been, that we've been chasing uh, for, for, <laughs> for, for two and a half years now that's that true. we might actually get to see him. <laughs> I think, I think that's really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, across the board, I mean, the, I don't think the public is moving on from Marvel, but it's just not as special as it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was talking to my brother about this uh, last weekend before he left for Burning Man. He was watching the uh, superhero documentary that's on um, the DC documentary, Superpowered, that's on Max right now that our Mm -hmm. friend Jonathan is a producer on. And, um, you know, when you watch it, and I've said this before, but you do see what we are experiencing right now is not out of the blue. It's happened with comic book fans yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love X-Men. X-Men is so great. Did you read the new X-Men? It's amazing. They're on Genosha. They're on Krakoa. They are. There's all these things happening. It's a brand new team. And then, like, cut to a year later, you're like, oh, my God, X-Men is too confusing. I just can't with it. And then they reboot X-Men. I mean, like, we go through waves where we are very, oh, my God, Marvel is killing it. And DC did this new 52 garbage. I can't even. And then you're like, Marvel's pretty boring right now. But the new DC universe is killing it. you got to check it out. And so I think what's happening now is we are experiencing... You know, Marvel launched their Ultimate Universe where Miles Morales came from with Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Spider-Man and Ultimate Fantastic Four and the Ultimates, which was their Avengers. Like, they launched that universe because the regular Marvel Universe was too confusing and they needed a new universe to get new comics viewers. And that worked until seven years later, the Ultimate Universe was too confusing. You know, like, so, like, we go through these phases and because Marvel took, you know, Kevin Feige took that comic book mentality and said let's do it as a mo- let's do it that with movies and then disney plus came along and they threw the tv shows into it as well we are now at that point where you're like oh unless you're a hardcore comic book reader um it's all a little confusing and the quality has gone down a little bit and we need someone to come in and clean house and say here's the new thing and i think if and when they do that whatever that is marvel fans will still be there we'll yeah. we'll all jump back on the boat at any point um we're just yeah. right now we're sort of sitting on the beach watching the boat sink and you're like <laughs> uh, it's time for a martini before they get this back on track <laughs> it's gonna be a bit before they fix this one yeah i like i liken it to pro wrestling and i know it's maybe not a thing that uh, most people think about but like um after a while someone can burst onto the scene and you like them and they're so great for the first year or so but then eventually the booking isn't as strong. They're not finding the right people to be in programs with. And you start, and it starts to wane. The desire for them starts to wane. And what WWE has always done really well is they take them off the air for like three months or they put them, you know, fake an injury so that they can go and rest and relax for a little bit to gear up to go back into it. And they re kind of reconfigure their character or reconfigure the storylines and make the audience miss them. And so that when they come back, it's like bang. And Marvel maybe, as Iger wanted to, has said he's going to do when he came back, taking this a little bit extra time and made this and may this may be a a good result of the strike is that this forced taking a little bit of time may make people kind of have those negative feelings dissipate a little bit so that the excitement comes back a little bit more to see what they can do. But you know they got to keep knocking it out of the box if they're going to do that too because people are ready to 
absolutely closed the door on Marvel. And I think that's such a shame from where we were just a couple of years ago. Do you um, guys like, obviously yep. the planning of phase four was happening before Endgame came out. Certainly um, Kevin said that at, at Hall H for sure. Shannon. Do you all think like, again, subtracting COVID from the argument, hmm. do you think had they taken a full two years, like, like, you know, last thing we get is far from home in 2019. We don't see another Marvel property in 2021. Do you think that extra, extra year of planning, um, do you think that would have potentially changed what is happening right now? I I don't know. My, I mean, Michael, you've been in the boardrooms as, as an executive. You've had these conversations. Some, some people can wait two years and still come out with crap. Some people can have a deadline of three months and come out with something great. I think it all just depends on who's involved with the creative process and if they can strike gold. Uh, I, but I do tend to lean on if there's extra time you have more time to take a look at it, more time to revise it and and and, and get it as good as possible. Uh, what are your thoughts, Mike? I mean, in general, it's true that if you have more time to plan something, you can probably do a better job. And if you have less time and you're rushing, you don't. So that's generally true, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I guess like some of the missteps that we've seen in the past year or so in, uh, in parts of phase four and phase five, there's such big missteps that mm -hmm. it's not all just, oh, you were in a rush. You know, it's not all that. There just seems yeah. to be my biggest example. I bring it up all the time. I mean, I think like you can sum up what's wrong with the MCU right now with that giant fucking celestial in the ocean <laughs> after Eternals. Like in the, in the, in the phase ones, yeah. two and three of Marvel, if something big, like, a fucking space alien that's as big as a skyscraper yeah. is frozen in the ocean. The next movie that you get, someone's mentioning it. It might not be a plot point. They might not go there, right. but you would have Dr. Strange at, uh, at the wedding being like, yeah, you know, I was on my way to check out this giant space alien. Like And like that to me is, it just doesn't have that cohesion. It doesn't feel, this is a far cry from the days that agents of shield announced that hydra was taking over mm. on tv at the exact same time that winter soldier came out in theaters and you were like that was some fucking planning um now it just kind of feels a little bit like it doesn't have like it's not exciting for us because we don't feel like everything is truly connected yeah yeah yeah, and that's the shame of it all because we do want to enjoy it. Because that's the thing, I don't think, you know, we should bring this up now because I think it's a perfect time. You know, Michael, you retweeted someone who had tweeted out about Book of Boba Fett was great. Kenobi was great. All I don't know what you're talking great. about. I don't tweet. I don't retweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and this is kind of that. Like, people, it's okay to, like, there are some Marvel apologists now who are saying, like, Everyone's making a big deal about it, but these films are and these TV shows are hitting 80% on Rotten Tomatoes or 90% on Rotten and all of this stuff. But you can't ignore that there's a large contingent of people who are uns unsatisfied about what is happening 
with the Marvel TV shows and the Marvel films <laughs> as they're coming out. I think you make an excellent point about this. I mean, the elephant in the room should be replaced by the celestial in the ocean. It's literally. <laughs> <the same> <laughs> right? Look, I don't want to bring up the celestial in the ocean, but if we're being honest here. <laughs> let's 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 end it now we're not gonna beat that <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough all right that's fair thanks for thanks for listening everybody. but <laughs> well look but i and i, I i'm glad i'm actually glad you brought it up because i did retweet uh that yeah, you're, you're um, allowed to like what you like but criticizing a thing isn't bad yeah well but to be fair i mm-hmm. think criticizing a thing that you love is not bad it's we do it all day criticizing criticizing what like you i think i don't think look i more than anybody have been dogging on the poor dc universe cinematic universe for years now but it's because i love dc i love dc as much as you guys or kalinowski or anybody else loves dc and the dc movies make me mad that being said we have friends who love those dc movies who think that bvs and Zack snyder's justice league are masterpieces and so i think you know it just depends what your goal is i think i think what i kind of took away from it i was talking to a lot of people about that tweet yesterday Mm. and i think that i really want anyone who's listening right now if you love marvel phase four and phase five right now and you love the disney plus shows keep loving them if you love the dc universe Zack snyder's dc universe you love the goddamn transformers movies you love multiverse of madness like whatever you love you love good love it yeah yeah but then those of us who kind of come on here to talk about stuff and talk about sort of geek culture as a whole and want to break down well why isn't it working what could they do better? Right, right. What right. is going on? That's totally valid too. And I think it's two sides of the same coin because yeah. those people that absolutely love everything and I don't care, I don't want to critique it, I just love this, it makes me happy, are geeks. And those yes. of us that love something so much that we're disappointed and we want to talk about it and talk about what they could have done better and what we wish they were doing are geeks. And all that we're all mm. doing is loving on something. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and I think that there's a difference between um, critiquing something and being like, ah, this didn't work for me for X, Y, and Z reasons, mm-hmm. and people being like, that movie shit, you're an idiot, uh, you know, right. go, 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 go fuck yourself, Kelly Marie Tran. I mean, like, that's not, right. that's not the same yeah, as, as saying sure. like, hey, you know, this is a thing that I like, this one didn't work for me. And it's okay to be disappointed and it's okay not to like it. It's just the way that you sort of um, verbalize those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like people are in the chat are talking about how they like Multiverse of Madness. Man, I wish I had seen that movie. I wish I had seen it through yeah. your eyes right. because that one didn't work for me. But if it worked for you, fantastic. Yeah. One of the things, you know, that I kind of came to um, uh, when I first got in the business is the idea of like all art is subjective and there are movies that people hate that you like and there are movies that you like that people hate and that's the game my thing with this is that when i see a critic who likes everything you're no longer yeah. a critic in my opinion well but that's when, different because they're a critic for, for me right and so that's that's where and i didn't know if that person was a critic or was writing criticism so when i saw that tweet and to get the fact that it got picked up and ratioed and all of this i was really surprised it seemed like a pretty innocuous tweet uh, but I, I understood where that person was coming from. They're Don't, allowed to like and love what they you, want. Yeah. You go on Twitter and say anything about Star Wars is not innocuous. People <laughs> coming for you no matter what. Who are you telling? I was, <laughs> I will tell you. I'm, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead in in the spirit in the spirit of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. I when this movie I loved when it came out. Yes. 
M. Night Shyamalan's Lady in the Water. Yes, I remember that. Everybody hates Lady in the Water. Yeah. Everybody hates it. Everybody's like, that's that's where M. Night Shyamalan turned. Yeah. I loved it. I recently, one morning, I walked the dog. It was early. I came home, made my coffee. I was like, you know what? Maybe I won't like it. Now, maybe maybe now I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to see yeah. what everybody else sees. And I put it on. I still like Lady in the Water. It, it, it's, and everybody tells me I'm wrong, and I, I will tell people. I'm always like, you know what? I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you are probably right, and I'm wrong. But yeah. for whatever reason, that one gets me. So yeah. everyone has their things. Yeah. yeah. Really? I, I periodically will turn on the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen thing, and this time <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> all it's, I needed, all I needed was was twenty years, and and this time it's gonna be good, and it yeah. it never quite is. Listen, I've I've never not laughed all the way through a million ways to die in the West, and I cannot explain to you why. When I can't, when that Daisy shows up in Liam Neeson's ass, I lose my shit oh, every time. Man. I don't know what to tell you. Seth MacFarlane's comedy worked for me in that movie, and it doesn't always work for me because I haven't, I, it, I can't watch the Orville. Uh, so you know, uh, you just never know what it is Ex- that kind of strikes except, you. Except you know. season one, episode two, right? Which is a great, by the way, episode with a great character actor. By the way, phenomenal. I love. I like the Orville. Yeah, I think the Orville's fantastic. A lot of people like the Orville. So I do think. I think like for me, for me, it does break down. I know we have like a thousand other things to talk about. We but do. And, for and me, a it does. Questions. Yeah, yes, for me, it does break down to. I think. Cause like, you know, like, cause we are people and like for my job, like I'm always like breaking apart story and figuring out what works and what doesn't work to me. There are movies that I know are technically very good movies and they right. do nothing for me. Yeah. Then there are movies that I know aren't great, but I love them. Mm-hmm. And then there are movies that I love that I think are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's garbage movies, but like, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> What you think are garbage movies, but someone no, else. There's certain movies that if you like them, you're out of this conversation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can only go so far. Uh, I right, the 32. Look, I don't want to bring up the celestial in the ocean. <laughs> someone said, I don't want to bring up the quiet celestial out loud, but I thought that was, I thought that was a good one. The quiet celestial part out loud. Um, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hit some of these, a couple of these Streamlabs Super Chats and then move on to our uh, trailers here with Shannon McClung. We'll be right back uh, right after this. That's good. That's good. Uh, we got 275 of you all watching us live right now. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday afternoon on the West Coast. You all could be anywhere else in the world or watching anything else. So hanging out with us, we really, we really appreciate it. Two things, please. Remember to subscribe to the channel and hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping our shows. We had to adjust our time today, but that's how you can be notified by hitting that bell button. It lets you know. The second thing is this. We have a podcast feed. So if you enjoy the Geek Buddies, sometimes you don't want to see our, our, our pretty little faces. You can listen to us and take us on the road with you. Take us uh, into the bath. Take us to work out. Uh, take us on a hike. Whatever you want to do, we're available. We really want to get those numbers up because we really want to get more and more advertisers. Last month, we had a really good month, which the boys are going to find out about later. And we want to keep going on that as we do things on the podcast feed. So if you want to help us, maybe you can't send a stream of that. Maybe you can't send a super chat, but subscribing to the podcast helps us as more and more people subscribe. We can attract bigger and better advertisers to help us out and keep the show going. So just throwing that out there for you all 
uh, as we go along here today on the show. Uh, all right, let's get to some of these uh, Streamlabs and Super Chats here real quick. Miro Mirian uh, also said, love you guys. What do you guys think about Taylor Swift's concert movie outselling Avengers Endgame in pre-sales? Also, um, it moved, it made Exorcist the Believer, or the Exorcist Believer move up a week so it wouldn't have to compete with Taylor Swift's uh, concert movie here. It broke, it earned a massive $26 million in pre-sale tickets at AMC Theaters, which is the biggest single ticket, single day ticket sale record for AMC to date, beating Spider-Man No Way Home and Avengers Endgame. This is Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, which is the musical documentary that they are releasing. Uh, Mike and Shannon, real quick thoughts on this. Okay, two things. Uh, one, because everyone was trying to get tickets to that yesterday on the on the AMC app, mm-hmm. I I I was getting some stress because I was planning to see the Equalizer three, and uh, I could not get my ticket because the app kept crashing because people were buying <laughs> tickets to the Taylor Swift movie. Um, second thing, I would be way more interested in going to see the Taylor Swift concert film than I would Exorcist Believer. <laughs> well, right, fair enough. Uh, Michael, your thoughts on this? Two things. One. I'm very interested in Shannon seeing Exorcist Believer, so <laughs> I, uh, yes. I'm still that is happening. That yep. is happening. We are we are doing it. I oh can't wait. Um, look, I, the power of Taylor Swift is undeniable, man. I it is it is a it's a it's a crazy thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Like especially kind of like because I love Taylor Swift, but I don't love taylor swift like i'm not a full swifty i'm happy to watch her from over here i think she's great i think she's awesome like i got nothing against her but i'm not rushing out but i mean i have friends who are swifties yeah i have a niece who's a swifty like (laughs) i you see it and you're like man this is like this is drugs like this is an addiction (laughs) this is an addiction they are addicted they are addicted to the swift yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, I, I love it. You know I mean? Like, I, I think actually I was talking to, like, I saw, I saw a, a gif earlier as two people punching each other and it was like Swifties and adult Disney fans trying to see which one was more annoying. But like, you know what? <laughs> I love, I love that people love Taylor Swift as much as they do. Like, I love watching yeah. it. I love people just letting their geeky freak flags fly for whatever it is. Like I, I love how much you love pro wrestling, John, even yeah, though it's you. not like, I, I think your joy when you tweet about that, I was like, I don't know what this means, <laughs> but I, but I'm happy for him. Yeah. We all, we all got a thing for sure. And Taylor Swift somehow, I mean, this is one of the greatest rebrandings ever in the history of entertainment, honestly, because a few years ago, it was all about her dating life and people saying she was too clingy and she was weird and all these people, all that stuff. She does that documentary, changes people's perception of her around and then releases some incredible music. And it's been skyrocketing ever since. So whether the three of us are Swifties or not, you can't deny objectively that this has been an incredible rebrand and Taylor's really kind of, become a powerful force in our world on in multiple arenas, by the way. And also say what you will, like it's like a three and a half hour. She sings 40 songs. Like, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is right. a, Ooh. like she's not fucking around. Like, no, the, and, and, and from what I've heard, yeah. and from what I've heard, there are not huge chunks of the concert where she's off stage. Like right. she has a couple costume changes that are like that, but that is her on stage 
yeah. for like three and a half hours. Like whether you like her music or not, you have to respect just yeah. being able to pull that off over and over and over again. Yeah, that's that's Springsteen level. Springsteen used to go five or six hours back in the 1980s. So you, the fact that she's able to do that is because it's he, she's doing way more than Springsteen did in his concerts in terms of the visuals and the different acting and the dancing and all the choreography, all that shit is way more than Bruce did. So no offense to Bruce. Uh, John Lee says, did you guys finish watching season three of warrior? What did you think? I thought it was amazing and hope it gets another season. It's so underrated. I never started it. I will. I promise at some point, but Shannon, you're the warrior fan here. Did you watch? Uh, it's yeah, I did. It is. It was my, it was my breakfast show. Like once, uh, once secret invasion was done, I started watching warrior and it was, excellence um the the character work on across the board everyone is just so so good and you know i kind of had the same feeling when i was watching the equalizer three yesterday like it, there, there are certain actors that it is just so much fun to watch them beat the crap out of guys yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh uh koji andrew koji is one of them i mean i just love watching awesome roundhouse kick his way <laughs> <laughs> through 20 guys um but but along the uh, but along those lines i mean the acting again super good and the story is just really really good and i i certainly hope they get a season four because the story's not done in from my point of view yeah there you go uh i too like watching andrew koji for different reasons than shannon but uh i very much enjoy watching him um, the nunchucks. Actually, you like that you like the nunchucks right mike i mean yes. that's what some people call them um <laughs> i uh did not start warrior season three yet because i first watched the two seasons of the bear which i know johnny just finished last night uh, i finished last night then my brother was like, have you ever watched The Mighty Gemstones? And I was like, I never watched it. I tore through the first two seasons, wow. and I'm halfway through season three of Mighty Gemstones right now, which is wild. Wow. And then Warrior season three is my next one. So I like, I always like, I mean, I have like all these things that we watch on a weekly basis, mm -hmm. like the Ahsokas, My Adventures with Superman, like all that stuff. But uh, like with the shows that are out there or shows that I haven't watched, that's my like, the nights that I'm home where I don't have a dinner or I'm not out doing something like, okay, I'm going to make my dinner at home, sit on the couch and watch two or three of these. So that's what Mighty Gemstones is now. I think I have four seasons left in season three and then I'm all in Is it in the Righteous Warrior. Gemstones? The Righteous, righteous Gemstones. Yeah. You're, mighty... thinking the mighty, you're thinking the Mighty Mighty Boston's. That's what you were thinking. Uh, but yes, yes. <laughs> I, was thinking, no, I, was thinking, I was thinking of the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair. <laughs> Gordon Bombay. <laughs> yeah for me tonight it's uh love is blind is back season four after the altar that is my uh stuff i'll be watching tonight put it on the schedule um john lee said did you, oh yeah we already said that one secular monk says uh, too many d plus marvel shows makes things confusing by that's the way secular. certainly that's, that's a double hard. meaning double meaning in that comment <laughs> good point there's <laughs> there's too many on disney plus and there's too many D plus Disney shows. Hey, Marvel oh, shows. Uh, that's true. Jay Scott, if you're says per variety, Agatha, Covenant, Chaos, Echo, and X Men '97 were all just officially delayed. We talked about what if season two set to release December thoughts. I think we got from Jay Scotty, so thank you very much uh, for that super chat. Streamlab wise, I'll read this one. These two from Jay Scotty says part one of two. Hi, John, Shannon, and Michael. John, I trust you recognize me from the years I've watched and listened to your shows. Of course, Jay Scotty. Who forgets you? You are in the attic, my friend, always. I'm part of a couple of moderately successful podcasts that I'll refrain from plugging here. What would be the proper and respectful way to start a dialogue about one of the Geek Buddies making a potential guest appearance on one or more of my shows? I think I can speak for the three of us. Just DM us. Uh, and if you want us and if we can make time, 
I'm sure we'll be happy to do it for for Jay Scotty. Gentlemen, uh, am I wrong on this? No, I think mm-hmm. we, we should have a fight to the to the which <laughs> whoever's left standing gets to be the guest. I think it'd be fun for the three of us to come on and you moderate the uh, conversation, Jay Scotty. I'd love to take it out of my hands and have <laughs> someone else to do it so I can sit back and relax about it. So he says think about that, that now. What's that? He says that now. Oh, please. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Gentleman scientist says, Ahoy, Geek Buddies. Can you explain why a show won't have subtitles for foreign or alien characters' words, implying we should know what they're saying? But when you turn subtitles on, you see what they're saying, despite other characters not knowing. Wait, say that again. Uh, Can you explain why a show won't have subtitles for a foreign or alien character's words, implying we should know what they're saying, but when you turn the subtitles on, you can actually see what they're saying, despite other characters not knowing. That's interesting. I actually don't know. I see what you're saying. So, like, when you just watch it, when you watch the movie regular with no subtitles and someone speaking Klingon or Kryptonian, they don't translate because it's whatever. But then if you have the subtitles on... You, they translate the Klingon or the Kryptonian as well. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they just do it for because people have, you know, but people who watch the subtitles a lot. How can I say this correct? Sometimes it's people who have hearing deficiencies or can't hear. I watch them because I'm old and sometimes can't hear people anymore. So, but I understand. So, hearing deficiency. You know what? Kiss my ass. Yes, that's a fair point. But no, I think that's the reason they do it so that you can follow along even though. You're not here because, like, if you're listening and you can hear it, you can. It's implied that it's something you're not supposed to necessarily know, but you can tell by the gestures what they're saying. Shannon, any anything to add to that? To what we said here? I mean, normally, if if the uh, if the the film or the television show doesn't put up subtitles, it's because they don't necessarily want you to know. And I know yeah. in the past because I keep a lot of the I keep a lot of the closed captioning on as well because I don't, you know, I I'm getting to the point that I got to read stuff more. Um, falling apart, Bogle. Um, but a lot of times it will say indiscernible. Um, so yeah, the fact right. that, like yes. I've never actually done that. Like turned on, turned on the subtitles, and then have like ha- had the had the secret being given yeah. out. So yes. yeah, I, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I always see. I the, like I don't love subtitles on, but like I have friends who like I have uh, one friend in particular that whenever he has a movie night. Uh, he puts the subtitles on, which I don't mind, but and it's because there's like a crowded room of like 25 guys or whatever, and everyone's watching it. Yeah. But I always find that when there's subtitles on the screen, my eye just goes right to the subtitles, and I'm not actually watching. The, like I like that, oh, that. That's why I don't love it because yeah. I actually want to like just take it all in visually. And when there's subtitles, I can always see my eye going like. <laughs> yeah, <Just right laughs> there. That's fair. Totally that- fair. That is true. <laughs> uh, two more, and then we'll get to Shannon's trailers. Uh, uh, Ice Hag Rocky, Ice Hag Rocky says, "Love the Geek Buddies. Just want to say thanks for always brightening my day. You guys never fail to make me think about things differently and do it with a good cheer. That is much appreciated. Love it. Oh, oh thank you. That is very kind of you. Also, with the subtitles, <laughs> something that just popped. I'm sorry, something that just popped into my head that this is a little, little annoying. When the subtitles aren't like verbatim what the character is oh, saying. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that bothers the crap out of me. I'm like, that's not what he said. You're, you're missing some colloquialisms. He said ain't, not are not. Oh yeah, no. Sorry. I, being a former QC guy, uh, you guys know I used to test the DVDs and stuff. When the subtitles are off, I go crazy. Like I just go crazy. And start to instinctively write a note. Uh, Fantastic three fourteen says the Marvel properties hit a wall when everything was trying to connect to each other. I had the same problem with all the SVU and hospital shows. In my opinion, I'm here for all the MCU shows. 
good or bad. All right, Fred, that is your prerogative. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, though, okay. fantastic, because uh, they were connecting things in, in, at the end of one and in two and three. So, and, and I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the same. I, I've not watched all the SVU and the hospital shows. So I can't say whether or not that's a that's an apt comparison. But. I do think, but I do think what, a, and I mean, this is kind of maybe it's a it's a subtle difference, but mm. I think that with Marvel, I mean, Marvel's phase phases one, two, and three, even though there was this bigger connected thing happening that led to the Infinity Stones, each individual franchise kind of did its own thing. Like Captain America was the closest to kind of becoming like Avengers two point five by mm-hmm. Civil War, but the Guardians movies were doing the Guardians things, the Thor movies were doing like every movie kind of was doing its thing right. with a couple connections that you had to know a little bit. Like so, you know, you get to Ragnarok and Hulk is on Planet Hulk. Yeah. And if you watched Age of Ultron, you know why he got there. But they kind of covered it in the movie if you were just watching the Thor. And I don't know that anybody was only watching the Thor movies. But each of the movies kind of put their main character front and center. Right. And it felt like that's what it was about. And I think with Phase 4 and 5, it's starting to feel a little bit... Like I said, it just feels a little bit more all over the place. As if the multiverse is more important than... I mean, the particularly with Quantum Mania, with Quantum Mania, Kang felt a lot more important than the Scott Cassie story, which yeah. should have been the yeah. most important part of that story. So, like, I think that's a place where it started to feel like it was unbalanced. Shannon, I'm sorry to do this. I got to jump in. Well, actually, you know what? I'll go I'll, for it. I'll throw it into the Roka's roundup. I'll throw it into the Roka's roundup. Uh, something just broken. We should talk about it. One last thing from Travis Earl, and then we'll get to the rest of them later. You keep sending in your stream labs and super chats, please, as we go along. Travis Earl saying Miyazaki, Hirayo Miyazaki returns with his probably for real this time final film. Are the bunnies excited for the boy and the heron? The trailer debuts next week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Me too. Anything. Anything. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. More Miyazaki. What what they said. (laughs) We just did. um, uh, What's the one where they go into where she goes into with her parents? Spirited Away? Yeah, Spirited Away. We just did Spirited Away on the geek, on the uh, cinephiles, and it was nice to go back into Miyazaki because yeah. it had been a bit uh, and and enjoy his stuff. So, yes, very much looking forward to that one. Um, all right. Uh, all right, Shannon, take it away. We got trailers. What's up? We'll try to go through them quick because I want to know what this breaking news is. <laughs> but first, we're going trailers, 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 because it's a live show. We're going to do four. Also, there are four we want to talk about. So nice. there's that. <laughs> our first trailer is our first look at the second season of Our Flag Means Death. So if you saw, you know, the first season of the uh, HBO Max original, now it's just a Max original, where we last left the crew of the Revenge. Steed had uh, gone back to his wife. Steed Bonnet, played by Reese Darby, had gone back to his wife, uh, thinking that pirating was not for him, saw that she had kind of moved on with her life. So he decided to go back to uh, not just his crew, but also to Blackbeard, Edward Teach, who he ended up having a romance with. And comes to find out that his crew has been marooned by Blackbeard. So this is a very, very quick teaser. Kind of shows us basically, you know, just kind of picking up a little bit of where we left off. Um, I thought the first season of Our Flag Means Death from David Jenkins and Taika Waititi was so much fun. And who knew it was going to have a uh, a sweet love story in it as well. Gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. Well, why don't you take it away first? What do you think of our first look of the second season of Our Flag Means Death? I am so excited for this show. 
I can't wait. I made the mistake of I watched when it when season one came out. I watched like the first one or two episodes of Our Flag Means Death, and I said, okay, it's kind of funny. I get what it is, and I kind of like left it. And then I started seeing people on Twitter like talking about it, talking about it. I'm like, oh, I guess I got to go back into this. And I was traveling uh, over to Europe, and I like downloaded all of them, and I watched them on the plane, and lost my shit. Like I, like it's super funny, but beyond being super super funny. It's very sweet and romantic and has heart and is super, super gay uh, in all the best ways. Like, it's just a great story. And the fact that the story is, I don't want to say it's true, but more true than not. Like, nobody really knows in the history of Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet why the fuck Blackbeard hung out with Steed Bonnet as long as he did. And... This reason seems to be as solid a reason as any. Like, these two were in love. So I can't wait to see what happens next. I'm 100% on board for this show. Uh, I love it. Cool. Johnny, does the flag still mean death for you? I've never seen the show, so I took my headphones off as you were ruining the first season. So I did not hear what you said. So I know, and I did not watch this trailer because I have not seen the show, so I don't want to have anything ruined for me. But it's one of those shows that I will absolutely be watching here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in anticipation for the second season coming. So, because you guys have spoken so glowingly about it, and I have a friend uh, who had something to do with the making of it who also said, this is one you need to watch. Apparently not glowingly enough since you haven't watched it yet. You know what? It took me a while to get to succession. You know, it just takes time. You know, it takes time. Yeah, a lot of things (laughs) take my time. Um, All right, what's the next trailer here, brother? So, Our Flag Means Death comes out, uh, starts October 5th. On Max, not HBO Max, but Max. They are different apps. Uh, our second one <laughs> is the first trailer for Bodies. So this is a, a an English series that is airing on Netflix. Ah, uh, you know the the trailer. It doesn't give us a ton, but you you get the basic uh, the basic gist. And it's four detectives in four different time periods in London who find themselves investigating the same murder. This is the type of show that I live for, partly because one of the time periods is late 1800s in London, <laughs> where it's it's fog, it's top hats. Um, but this one just looks super intriguing. And also, it has uh, Cyril Karn from Andor himself, Kyle Soler, as Detective Inspector uh, Hillinghead. He is the first inspector to, uh, to uh, investigate this murder. But gentlemen, I'll throw it over you. Johnny, first, what do you think of our... First look at bodies. Yeah, brother, you're not the only one who uh, loves these kinds of shows for sure on the Geek Buddies, man. I I love British stuff. I love stuff that's uh, jumping forth in time and detective stuff. So for me, this one hit all the notes. Uh, One of the reasons I don't get around to watching some of the American shows is because I'm watching a lot of Acorn and BritBox detective shows from across the pond, uh, which I get into and just watch all the time. (laughs) The Chelsea Detective has just started uh, back up again with a new partner. So I'm, I'm, I'm behind on London Kills. Uh, I've also got to see, what's the other one? That, there's another one that, oh, The Tower. Season two of The Tower just came out. So there's a lot of these ones that I kind of have to keep up on as well. But this body looks awesome. I love that it's going into four different eras. Going to be real interesting to see how they connect the dots, connect the tissues. Because we've seen shows like this and it doesn't always uh, connect up quite as artistically as you would want it to or as creatively as you wanted to but from the trailer i like what you're getting and they seem to be tapping into a thing that people are into with detective stories no matter where they're set that is happening on a lot of different medium uh, media uh, sorry, sorry services right now uh, for people to enjoy so i hope it's good and it's one that netflix has been saying is good for the last few months 
So that that makes me excited for it even more. Mikey? Um, yeah, I'm really, really intrigued by it. I think mm. it looks really – it could be great. Like it, like 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 it looks good, but it could be great. Uh, just in the description of it, the way that like you know, like you said, like these four detectives, different time periods, all find mm. the exact same body and slowly come to realize what's going on. And like even the description says, these four detectives in different timelines sort of need to figure out how to work together to solve this case. Which yeah. how you would even do that, I don't know. But like that's exactly the kind of weird. Twilight Zone, Black Mirror shit that I'm into. So uh, I I'm very intrigued. Like I had I didn't actually know much about this until you guys said, "Hey, we're gonna do these trailers today." And I watched the trailer and I was like, "Oh, I'm a thousand percent in on this." Yeah, yeah. Well, bodies drops on Netflix October nineteenth, just in time for Halloween. Our next trailer, one that I know Johnny is excited to talking about, is uh, David Fincher's The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender. So it's uh, he is a professional assassin. After a fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt. He insists isn't personal. Again, not a long, not a long trailer. You know, probably less than ninety seconds. But these are all of the hallmarks of just classic Fincher. I mean, you know, when when a Fincher project is on the screen, you know, David Fincher directed it. And uh, I feel like it's been a minute since we've seen uh, Michael Fassbender. Um, so I think this one looks pretty good, but Johnny, I'll throw it over to you first. What do you think of our first look at the killer? Yeah, I did a uh, trailer reaction for this one earlier this week. Cause I couldn't, w- as soon as it was announced on Monday morning, I was like, I got out of bed, jumped in the shower and I want, and I wanted to react to it because I love Fincher to pieces. One of my favorite uh, directors, favorite producers, remember mind Hunter house of cards. I mean, this guy is just, he's got a track record. That's pretty incredible. That needs to have more respect put on. He's named for what he creates and having uh, and really figuring out how to use Michael Fassbender. I mean, he's been on a bit of a break. Uh, he was doing car racing and stuff. So he kind of took a break away from acting. He's back with the uh, soccer movie that's going to be coming out later on this year and also this movie. And so I think Fincher figured out how to unlock and really use Michael Fassbender to his best. He delivers great performances in everything he's in. The movies or the TV shows don't necessarily live up to what he's bringing to the screen. So it's nice to see that he's in the right hands with Fincher. This is based on a French graphic novel that is apparently a series that is apparently really good as well. Uh, and I like the idea that he's a, I love Hitman uh, projects where they're like having to go against their own people or figure out what's going I love that shit from collateral to fucking haywire. I don't care what it, I ghost dog way of the samurai, whatever it is. I love these assassin Uh, films like this and you have to go pretty far to mess this up that being said the fact that it's fincher i know it's going to be high quality and that trailer looks damn good and the fact that he stumbles at the end with the stick to the plane is like stick to the plane like you can tell there's going to be a breaking point in all this and so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what fassbender brings to this uh project and in in fincher's hands i just have a feeling it's going to be great mikey what'd you think this trailer, this trailer was giving me old school Fincher vibes, and old school mm. Fincher just makes me feel like I got bugs rolling all over my body when I'm watching the trailers. Like it just got this like gritty. Like I was watching, I was like, I'm like, I was like, my heart was beating faster watching the trailer. I was like, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel really uncomfortable. This is cutting too fast. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of sounds. Uh, yeah, it was giving me old school Fincher vibes, which is great. Uh, because yes, it does make me feel creepy, but in the best ways. Like some of uh. Some of Fincher's best work makes me upset, and uh, and this trailer and this trailer was doing that for me. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think, like you said, I think Fassbender is great. I think a lot of times Fassbender is uh, doing better than the material he has been given. And yes. it, it's no. great when he does get a role uh, that is worthy of his talent. And I think the Taika Waititi movie that's coming out where he plays the coach yeah. looks like it's worthy of his talent in one very specific direction. <laughs> and this movie, this, this is, this is, uh, in a very different direction. So, uh, yeah. I'm excited for both. <laughs> uh, the killer will be on Netflix November 19th. And our last trailer, one that, uh, uh, has, uh, been what is is it the venice film festival where yeah, venice it just debuted at venice yeah yeah uh is ferrari uh michael mann who we have not seen michael mann in theaters since 2015's black hat um but he has directed like he did do an episode of uh tokyo vice which is another mac show that is excellence um which he also executive produced but this one stars adam driver as enzo ferrari um, and it has a really impressive cast with Penelope Cruz, uh, Shailene Woodley. Um, you know, again, Michael Mann is another one of those uh, filmmakers that uh, the moment that the movie starts, you know, it's Michael Mann behind the camera. And uh, Adam Driver doing an Italian accent uh, fresh off of House of Gucci <laughs> uh, on board. So, Mikey, what did you think of our first look at Ferrari? Um, I... I love a trailer that there where there's where there's almost no dialogue. I think there's like literally just the line at the end that Adam Driver has. Like I love a trailer just like like we are just gonna show you how pretty this movie is. But I also <laughs> really love like having like all of these shots of the relationship and the personal life and the personal story on the one side and then the car on the other side. And as the relationships are like getting a little bit more fractured, there's more fighting, the car is crashing. Like it was really, really well done. Like it um don't know a lot. Don't know a lot about the story behind this story, but uh, the man of it all, and and also, uh, old man driver, doing it for me. <laughs> old man driver, like that. Those prosthetics are good. Old man driver's doing it for me. I was like, all right, so this is what Adam Driver is gonna look like in about uh, fifty years when he was like, you remember when I played Kylo Ren? Like now we know. Now we know what he's gonna look like. <laughs> Johnny, oh yeah, this looks fantastic. It's getting good reviews but not great reviews so i'm going to be real interested to see what my uh feeling is about the movie i love biopics uh, i did like house of gucci so i don't mind driver in the italian accent um i love penelope cruz so going to be curious to see with and it and just like um God, what did we just see recently i can't remember what it was but oh uh, May, uh maestro this film feels like it is focusing on their relationship him and Penelope Cruz and Shailene Woodley, who plays his mistress. What's this all about? It's set in 1957 before this car wreck that that uh, Ferrari was sued over. There was a big deal back then. And you've got Jack O'Connell in this one uh, as one of the drivers. Patrick Dempsey's in this as well. So it's a good cast, as you said, Shannon. Um, but this is Michael Mann. And I love this trailer. This trailer was great. It's showing you that it's going back and forth in time, telling this guy's life, showing you the influences. We see him crying by his son's uh, headstone. So how, how is that affecting him and Penelope fighting? What is that all about? So there's a lot that's going to be explored here of the man's life. So I'm very much looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm a sucker for Michael Mann. Uh, and uh, has he always brought it? Maybe recently a little bit uh, lost a step, but we'll see what I think when I see it, because there were a lot of positive reviews, 
but there were some reviews that weren't that great from uh, some critics I respect and admire as well. So I'm very curious, but I'm excited to see it for sure. Some reviews were more public enemies versus heat. Yes. Copy that. Yes. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ferrari comes roaring into theaters Christmas day. Bang, bang. Is that all the trailers? That's all of them. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. We'll answer some more of your Streamlabs and Super Chats, and we'll get into Roka's Roundup right after this. I'm so excited about that Roundup. You know what? That's you know what you know what you know what you can do you know what you can do um (laughs) hold on let me see here let's see where we left off at uh empire fan 1980 did you see the sam witwer's in the credits in ahsoka or or asuka i know it is impossible but i love to see a version of star killer in canon i love that game a lot of people i've heard mikey and shannon are now starting this after they slid off the ezra train they are now sliding into the Star, Star Killer train. Um, thoughts? Look, not to go full Mephisto, but I don't think that the Star Killer thing is impossible. I mean, okay. I think that Filoni's been pretty clear that he thinks Star Killer is cool. Yes. I think that they they even said that there had been discussion at one point about making Star Killer one of the Inquisitors in Rebels. And given that we are basically in Rebels season five right now uh, with Ahsoka in a good way. Um, I think that that's totally, I mean, he wouldn't be just like Thrawn was sort of reimagined mm. in rebels to be the same character, but in a different context could easily be that. Do yeah. I think that, do I think that Maroke is Starkiller? I, I, at this point, I almost don't even want to have a discussion about who Maroke is until he takes off that mask, but we will see. <laughs> Shannon, any thoughts on this? I mean, thematically to have vader's apprentice go up against anakin's apprentice that's pretty cool that's cool uh, um but that kind of takes the wind out of the balen skull <laughs> sails yeah. um and balen skull is a pretty cool character thus far so yeah we'll see well and i also don't know just given what the inquisitors now are uh yeah. if vader first of all just given like the whole sith rules and we already went down the road with Dooku and Asajj Ventress of this whole, like, the Sith, the, you know, the Sith Lord having their own apprentice. And then, so Vader all of a sudden having an apprentice that we don't know about. Like, that's one of the things that I think of it is Starkiller. Kind of, yeah. Even though I've read the same stuff and talked about, like, oh, yeah, like, apprentice versus apprentice is interesting. But as cool as that might be, I think that if Starkiller does end up, like, I think maybe there is a bit of a demotion where you aren't Vader's apprentice. Maybe Vader took special interest in you as an inquisitor, but like, I don't know. We'll see this. This is where all of the, is it star killer? Is it Ezra? Is it Barris Offie? Like this is where star Wars fans start to like work themselves into their own headcanon knots of trying to like make the stuff they want to have work. And you're like, I oh, like it. This part would be cool, but this part would be weird. I don't yeah. know. I also think it, and cause Laura and, and, um, Kevin brought this up on the Jedi way during our review of, of Ahsoka and they mentioned the star killer. And I, and I, I feel like this is called Ahsoka and to introduce star killer in live action in Ahsoka, when there's already been criticism about the fact that people feel this is not her show, even though her name is in the title, I think just feels like the wrong decision. Uh, and there hasn't been enough buildup to it for it to be revealed when people are already feeling like they're behind the curve because they haven't watched Rebels or haven't watched Clone Wars to add yet another thing that's even a deeper cut 
for them to have have to go well, and monitor and watch, I think it's asking too much of the audience as a rollout. Unless you're going to start his uh, mythology all over again here in this. In well, this I think that's. Thing. I mean, like not not that I think they are, but I think you're hmm. right, and I think this is where fans get a little tied up. Like like when Thrawn came in to Rebels. Hmm. You didn't need to know anything. Like right. people who had right. read Air of the yeah. Empire and knew the Legends material, you were like, "Oh shit, they're bringing Thrawn in." But it's not like when Thrawn came into Rebels, you needed to go, "Oh god, it's Thrawn," and need and needed an entire like you know YouTube video to know what it was. Like, oh, here canon. is this. Yeah. yeah, here is this. Uh, here is this Imperial uh, Grand Admiral who is a badass and he's fighting the rebels and he becomes a big bad guy. And so you didn't need to know. And only now as we're getting into these shows, are they kind of catching up and kind of taking that original heir to the empire story and kind of weaving it into what they're doing in a new context. So I don't think that if star killer all, if, if, if it's Sam Witwer under that mask and he takes it off and it's him and all of a sudden everybody freaks out, I don't think that all of a sudden they're going to have to, now say oh and everything that you know from the game is the backstory and now we need to explain it like i think this is going to be this character's introduction to this universe and just like thrawn and rebels we will then get to see them go on this journey whatever it is all that being said i'm not saying i think that's what it is but that's what i think it would be if it were him yeah that's a good point uh all right rx says uh a fun key question for friday build a five versus five team marvel versus dc the winner goes on to fight Darkseid, LVGB. Love Geek Buddies. Fuck, man. This is a whole Geek Buddies episode. Yeah, we'll have to wait on that one. <laughs> wait. <laughs> no, hold on. What's Well, okay, wait. Five by five, Marvel versus DC. I'll, what, you pull Superman and Batman for sure. Wonder Woman. Superman, okay. Batman, Wonder Woman. Okay. Uh, who else on the DC side would you pull? Maybe Zatanna or John Constantine? You want to match Shazam? User? Earth's mightiest mortal. You're not going to put Shazam in here. He's got. He's got to go. He's, uh, he's, he, he ain't. Good. He ain't going to fight dirty. <laughs> I. I go. Kingdom Come Shazam would fight dirty. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, we're yeah. not in Kingdom Come. We got Zach Levi, and I don't want him on the team. Oh, oh, you're talking. Are we? No, talking- I'm not talking oh, okay. movies. I'm just talking in general. <laughs> Hold on. That's Slow a whole other conversation. But right. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman for sure. And then okay. you say uh, Zatanna or John Constantine. Yeah. And okay. you want a speedster or a lantern? Probably Shannon. a lantern. All right. I'm going to go John Stewart. That's yeah, I'd so take green. Okay. No, so, so say that. So, and let's say it's, let's go Zatanna. Let's go Zatanna. So we got Wonder Woman, Zatanna, Soups, Bats, John Stewart on one side. Who are the Marvel team that goes up against that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't approve this. I, I, I don't want Batman in there. He's you a don't human want Batman being. in there? I don't need a human being who can break an half out. with one Batman's flick gonna save from the day. Dark Side. Batman's going to save the day. Would kill Batman, you know, in like two seconds. What are you talking nope. about? Oh, come on. You got to have bats. I, I would take bats before I would take most of the people on the team. I would take Green Lantern 100%. Which one? As Shannon said. No, I would take Hal because Hal's a prick and he's smart, whereas Guy would just be a prick. I don't. I think Hal's a little smarter than Guy. John Stewart's better I mean. than both, but okay, continue okay. on. That's fair. Um, Shannon, any question? Any questions with this five for the DC? I mean, Sup- Superman is, is an absolute. That's the I mean, I'm. Right. I'm gonna go. I mean, I have to go John Constantine because I think John Constantine right. could could put could put the could put the hurt on Zatanna if he had to. Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of do agree with Vogel that you need you need a tactician, and and there's no one better. 
there's no one better than Batman. Wonder Woman. You gotta go. Wonder I don't know. Would you go Flash or would you go Wonder Woman? We'll go which one? Flash or Wonder Woman? I would take Wonder Woman. I go yeah. Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need a speedster, man. That's that's an overblown power. That's an overblown power. Wow. Yeah. All right. So then Access on that, so, to the okay. Speed Force. I mean, so then that's the way right. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> speed Force. I don't need. I don't need bad CG on this team. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. So then on the Marvel side. <laughs> yes. I mean. I mean, you Scarlet got Witch. You, you, we've got a Hulk. We've got Scarlet a Hulk. Witch. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, definitely. Captain Marvel. I I would say Carol Danvers. I I, I would I'm put Carol Danvers Carol on my team. From the comics. From the comics. Yes, from the comics. <laughs> from the comics. <laughs> Carol Danvers from the comics. In multiple galaxies, she'll know how to handle Dark Side. Uh, Reed Richards. Yeah. That's your tactician. Okay. Yeah, it go because it honestly yeah, okay. this fight because there's a lot of powerful people. It, this is a good this is a good fight. It would come down to Reed Richards versus Batman. Who's gonna outthink the other? I think that's a good call. Okay, I'm gonna throw a, a X Factor in there because they're officially DC now. Doctor Manhattan. Well, it's the game over. Actually, Doctor Manhattan versus Scarlet Witch. I don't know, man. Oh, man that's, I that's don't that's know. A good- that's a great battle I would love to see, but I throw Dr. Manhattan on the, on the DC side as a massive wild card for dark. So wait, Hulk, Scarlet, Witch, yeah. Reed Richards. Yeah. I, I'm going to say, I mean, I know he's overused, but like I throw Wolverine in there <laughs> over Captain America. You throw Wolverine. I would put there. Captain America on there just because I think Captain America is just going to either keep on fighting or make friends with everybody. He could do like this all day. If you can't have Reed and Captain, like they're both tacticians, so you got to have one. Right? No, but Reed is wrong? Reed is the smartest man on the planet. <laughs> so you t- do you take him over Captain, and then you make up with Wolverine? You make up for it with Wolverine? I mean, no, I don't think Wolverine is the solve for Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he can't be killed, right? I mean, he's he healing all the time. That's fair. All right, fine. You put Captain on over Doctor Manhattan. You leave Doctor Manhattan off. Well, I mean, Dr. Manhattan is... Well, Dr. Manhattan would be DC. So oh, DC. Sorry, sorry, DC sorry. Side. Yeah, sorry. We're talking Marvel. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. All right. So that's our five. Who wins? I I mean, listen, I, I love my DC heroes, but I really am having a hard time seeing how they beat the Scarlet Witch and Reed Richards. I got to be... I got to... Even like... Even though like, Scarlet Witch just says no more DC and everybody's gone. Like, Scarlet Witch yeah. is... Yeah. Yeah, I think Marvel might win this one and go then kick Darkseid's ass. I don't know. Okay, that's what I think. Marvel would win. Shannon? We gotta do. We gotta do more of these episodes where we just do a whole hour where we're just gonna be like, let's let's uh, let's fight it out. It's funny. You, funny you should say that. Funny you should say. That. Uh, <laughs> Shannon, <laughs> Shannon, right. Do you think Marvel is well, Shannon? Um. Yeah, because I think it ultimately comes down to Reed versus Bruce. Yeah. But again, Batman will fight dirty. That's. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go Marvel. Okay, there you go. Marvel. All three of us Marvel. All right, real quick. Uh, Spinning Back Kick says, a favorite guilty pleasure of mine. A movie, a favorite guilty pleasure movies. Mine is Doom with The Rock and Constantine. That is not a guilty pleasure movie. That is a good fucking movie. So Which I will one? not have slander on Constantine. I saw oh, it okay. again the other night, and it was a damn good movie. Um, despite Shia LaBeouf doing the LaBeouf things that he does. I, I, I In that phase <laughs> of his career, rather. Uh, I, I really like that movie. I really do. 
Tell you what my guilty pleasure movies are. I mean, like I already, I already admitted Lady in the Water, but uh... <laughs> yeah, but that's not really a bad one. To people, <laughs> like you said, you liked X Men Three as your favorite X Men movie. That's a bad one, right? I feel like it's got to be a. You've got. I know you've got a few. I know you've got a few. I'm just such a man of eloquent taste. I don't know. <laughs> He'll be the first one to tell you. Empire Fan 1980 says. I never saw it before, but Ballers came to Netflix, so I'm watching it. Someone who doesn't like sports, but I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I watched every season of Ballers. It is Entourage for sports freaks. Um, It's a fun show, but it's not a deep show, Uh, and The Rock does a great job with it. Uh, And him and Cordray have surprisingly great chemistry. Gentlemen, did you guys see Ballers? Any thoughts on this real quick? Uh, you know, I never watched Ballers. I did audition for it a couple of times, and and I thought the writing, despite – I didn't have any clue what I was saying, um, but I thought the writing, <laughs> it was very fun to say, despite me not having the most context. <laughs> um, like you, you just said it's entourage for sports. So sports I think that people. pretty much answers whether or not I watched it. <laughs> Fair point. Well, so Silicon Valley, that's entourage for nerds. Uh, but it's tech- really good, especially season four. Yeah, true. Good point. I did Silicon Valley is good. I agree. <laughs> uh, shout out to Amanda Crew. Empire Fan Nineteen Eighty says, "Is any of the geek buddies Greek buddies? Well, I like the Greek buddies. We should wear togas for some special episode. Awesome. <laughs> uh, is any of the geek buddies Doctor Who fans? I wasn't one, but thanks to my dad, I am one now. If you are, who is your favorite Doctor? Mine is David Tennant. Um, yes, I am a Doctor Who fan. I became a Doctor Who fan through Peter Capaldi. So I think your first Doctor is always your favorite Doctor." So I have to default to him, but I've gone back and watched a lot of Tenet and Matt Smith. I'm not an Eccleston guy, but I've gone all the way back because I have BBC. I have um, uh, whatever it is, BBC, whatever the app is. And I've watched like the first season of the old dude in the 1950s or 60s. And that is a hell of a watch. Uh, and of course, um, you can't uh, rule out Tom Baker as people's favorite doctor. Mike and Shannon, any of you guys are big Doctor Who fans? You know, I Doctor Who isn't. I've I've watched episodes of Doctor Who that people mm. have told me to watch, and I think they're great when I watch them. But I'm not. I've never like just dived all the way in on Doctor Who. So yeah. I uh, this is an area of geek culture where I am not as well versed. Um, but something that I want to at some point. Um, but it's not as linear as other things. You're sort of like, you can no. just dive in anywhere and start. And so I think that's yes. where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And there's yeah. plenty of like primers or videos you can watch to yeah. get you caught up with anything. Yeah. Shen? Yeah. Doctor who is a gap in my geekdom that I have to mind. Ooh. Minding the gap. Oh um, God. but I, but I sure do like Peter Capaldi. Uh, <laughs> what Peter Capaldi? I, I really do like Peter Capaldi, yeah. uh, especially his uh, Cardinal Richelieu and the the Musketeer show. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I mean, like out of out of the actors who have played the Doctor, I mean, David Tennant uh, as the one-two punch of Hu Yang and Uncle Scrooge. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's my guy. Uh, Derek Johnson says, uh, Roca, do you think there is a character that the Latin community would show out for, like Black Panther level show out? Great show as always. I'm definitely adding Celestial in the Ocean to my lexicon. <laughs> um, I mean, superhero-wise, I mean, Miles Morales and um, Jaime Reyes are pretty high up there as recent um, uh, Latinos. Uh, of course, of course, uh, Miles Morales, uh, darker skin, but still Latino, ha- half Latino. So 
it, I think to me, these are the characters that they would have showed up for. Um, and they have shown up for Spider-Verse, but unfortunately with Blue Beetle, with I think a lot of things outside of their control, uh, it didn't. It hasn't quite become as big of a hit as it uh, it could have been, but I think it's still punching above its weight for what it's doing so far at the box office. So I give it credit. And I don't know that there are many in that because we haven't generated many that are original uh, with their own stories. We have been allowed to, to be fair. And I think that's going to come, though, as more and more Latin creators who have been a part of comics for a very long time, by the way, as more and more of them get a chance to create original stories and original characters. We will see that in the future down the road for sure. So, you know, everything takes time. Um, and for guilty pleasure movie, my mine mine is Crybaby with Johnny Depp. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> John Waters. That's man. a yeah. good one. <laughs> you, you, you are good. Uh, and we'll see if there's any more stream labs before we roll on to our next thing. Uh, oh yeah, fantastic. Hey buddies, one question: Do you think who do you think is piloting the ghost in the Rise of Skywalker? Is it Jason or is he illuminated by Kylo or is he eliminated by Kylo Ren as a Knight of Ren? Great show, gentlemen. Man, I little Jason showed up with his little green hair and was like, Mama, Mama, I want to be a Jedi. And I was like, do not go to Luke's Jedi. Don't don't go. Don't go, Jason. Uh, so I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I think Filoni is going to try and pull one on us where, like, there's a lot of shit that goes down in, those new tri- in the new trilogy between – uh, you know, Luke's Jedi school getting just demolished by the Knights of Ren and everything like how we're going to take certain characters and leapfrog all of this and continue on with whatever Star Wars is going to be is going to be interesting. But even though all logic dictates that Jason should not make it past The Force Awakens, uh, I hope he does. Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, Shannon, any thoughts on the who's piloting the ghost? No, I think it's Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I got it from here, Mom. Uh, Gnome Science is uh, Spider-Man twenty nine ninety. Yeah, twenty ninety nine could work. Yeah, if you if you do it right, do it as a series. Maybe even convince um, Oscar Isaac to come in and play him. I think that could be a lot of fun. Honestly, a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. One more. Greg Mont says, "I think Star Wars was a happy accident. A guy wanted to tell a story that he didn't think was going to dominate pop culture for fifty years." After watching Book of Boba Fett, I honestly believe that no one planned on having to tell a story about random extras in the series. After watching episode three of Ahsoka, I was like, where did that $250 million go in Secret Invasion? LOL. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a, that is a really good question. Uh, and not that Secret Invasion wasn't shot well, but there were definitely moments that we talked about in our reviews. Like this is a very empty hospital. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For a lot of reasons. All right, let's get to it. Uh, We'll get some more of your stream labs and super chats as we keep going with the show. Keep sending them in. But for right now, it's time to put on our guns and head on out to to the ranch because it is time for is rapid fire you know what when you all come up with a segment you can do it your way i promise to play it but uh let's start off with some breaking news that i teased earlier uh gentlemen this is not like happy breaking news this is kind of a interesting breaking news sag aftra this was announced about an hour ago is gearing up for a possible strike against the video game industry now 
as the board has approved authorization an authorization vote by the guild membership. The 10 companies that may be facing a possible strike are Activision, Blind Light, Disney Character Voices, EA, Electronic Arts Productions, Epic Games, Formosa Interactive, Insomniac Games, which is just about to have Spider-Man 2 coming out, Take-Two Productions, VoiceWorks Productions Incorporated, and WB Games Incorporated as our, as as well. Fran Drescher issued a statement saying, here we go again. She is the SAG after president. Now our interactive video game agreement is at a stalemate too. Once again, we are facing employer greed and disrespect. Once again, AI is putting our members in jeopardy of reducing their opportunity to work. The strike, the voting strike for the strike authorization will begin on September 5th and end on September 25th. So gentlemen, real quick, one minute each thoughts on this. Uh, Mike, I go to you first as someone who has worked with voiceover talent uh, in your uh, numerous uh, uh, projects in your career, your thoughts on them now uh, possibly being part of this strike against the video game companies. Look, I think it makes sense. I think everyone needs to stop living in this world where movies and TVs are all important and live action is important and animation and video games and everything else is not. Like mo- a, lo- a ton of the content that is billion dollar content has started at in video games. It started in animated TV shows. So, you know, as much as like 839 animation uh, is not part of the Writers Guild, uh, it should be because animation writers and directors and actors are doing exactly what live action, uh, their live action counterparts do. Hmm. And in the world of video games, with, the, with as sophisticated as video games have become, the performers, the actors doing the work and bringing those characters to life, uh, are doing every bit the amount of work that voiceover actors are doing and every bit amount uh, every bit of the work that live action actors are doing so they should be treated fairly they should be treated the same like content is uh the, the quality of content is agnostic of platform that it's on fair enough okay well under the minute uh my shannon uh, go your thoughts uh, yeah, I mean, very similar to Vogel's. I mean, when you look at the amounts of revenue that is generated from from video games, it is only right that the people who are um, artistically responsible for those games um, are are compensated fairly. Um, you know, when you look at uh, modern games that people come back to, um, again, I'm I'm selfishly thinking of uncharted like do, do those games work without nolan north as nate drake i don't know i just know that with with nolan north nate drake became a, a truly uh quotable and memorable character and every single person that works on those games every single performer um they are bringing they are bringing something to it you know we all know a lot of folks that that are mocap performers that are also voice performers um they they are the ones that bring those stories to life and they absolutely deserve to be to be compensated fairly all right there you go good time uh a minute and one second i'm not gonna penalize you because you were talking good stuff about that yeah i agree yeah this this needs to happen uh, sooner rather than later we've seen already a lot of voiceover artists that I know and I follow online and on social media talking about how their voices are being used by these other companies through AI to voice over certain things. So clearly there's a lot of um, gray area here that needs to be cleared up and become black and white so that the artists can be respected for the work they do voiceover wise for all of these companies uh, and what have you. So, well, And really quick, since I didn't take my full minute, okay, there is a lot seconds. of gray. There is a lot of gray area. 
And there are a lot of ways that AI, I think, is going to be really useful to entertainment and storytelling mm. down the road. But a gray area that does not exist is taking someone's performance, vocal, in-person, mocap, or otherwise in any way, shape, or form, mm. and then using AI to take that performance. Like, that's not a gray area. That's a fuck you, don't do that shit. Agreed. Good job. 20 seconds. Nice. All right, let's move on to the Marvels here real quick. Uh, um, the Marvels uh, debuted a new trailer. Uh, kind of behind the scenes mixture with some new footage as well. But also it was uh, not officially announced, but pretty much confirmed that the Marvels is going to be 90 minutes without credits. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this, Shannon, real quick, uh, one minute, go. Um, you know, I saw the trailer where they were basically um, introducing uh, Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan to audiences that may not have uh, that may not subscribe to Disney Plus, and yep. they they have not seen WandaVision, they have not seen Miss Marvel. Um, I thought it was a great introduction, and uh, and I hope that translates to box office receipts. Um, Ninety minutes, based off historically, that's not a great sign, but. There have been plenty of good movies that are 90 minutes, so we'll see. All right, Michael, uh, your thoughts uh, overall? Did you see the trailer? And also your thoughts on if uh, this thing is 90 minutes, what are your thoughts on it being 90 minutes? I didn't see the trailer, but I don't love 90 minutes. <laughs> I don't love 90 minutes. That's what I think. I, th I Look, I there are movies that are great. Like You go see like a fun rom-com. You go see a silly comedy it's 90 minutes long certain animated movies you know like look little mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin i think those all clock in at about 82 83 minutes like they're under 90 minutes and those are classics and i love them there are stories that you can absolutely tell in 90 minutes i think there are probably superhero stories that are really good that you could tell in 90 minutes right I think a superhero story where you're taking three of your female characters from your universe and putting them all together for the first time and you want to have a movie that services all of them while establishing all the things that you want to establish and have a brand new villain and do all of this stuff and doing all of that in 90 minutes, I kind of start to get the feeling like something's not going to be well served. Something or someone. Like someone, someone's story is getting the shaft when you have three characters who all have... You've got Carol Danvers who has been oh. for reasons oh, oh sorry we that's what i think 90 right. minutes i don't love 90 sorry minutes bye i'm out i'm out <laughs> yeah i don't like 90 minutes either i think it's a, i think it's a sign of bad things to come venom was 90 minutes morbius was 90 minutes i don't like being in that especially this far down the pike with this interconnected universe and as michael very astutely pointed out three different characters and if they think a trailer is going to fill in the gaps for what they need for to explain in a movie like this they are sorely mistaken I feel like they think maybe they don't have a good movie here. They cut it to to a low number amount to get as many screenings as possible to make as much money as possible right off the bat. But in the end, 90 minutes, that does not feel good to me at all. Uh, if this was a standalone, fine. But the fact that it's interconnected and announcing a new villain, I don't think that's a good thing at all. So we'll see uh, in the long run what that means. All right. The Goonies are being re-released in the theaters in honor of WB's 100th anniversary celebration. Gentlemen, will you actually... Go see this. It's going to be re-released in time for its 35th anniversary. Are you guys going to be into it? Yes or no? Are you going? Who's going? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Go. Uh, Mike, go. One, <laughs> one minute. Go. Sorry. Sorry. I'm taking turns between you two guys. Go, Mike. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. You're going to take the full 60 seconds and then answer at the end? Oh, my God. Oh, uh, my God. Wow. Yes, Is I believe I will go. <laughs> Sorry, Shannon. <laughs> Shannon, one minute go. <laughs> 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 
Yes. <laughs> good. Good answer. There you go. <laughs> uh, sadly, my answer is no. Uh, I will not be going to see this thing, uh, and I don't need a minute to tell you that. But it is starting today. It is going. It's going to be in uh, Regal and AMC theaters from uh, starting on September first and September tenth. It'll start to debut in Cinemark Cinema. So put it on your calendar, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, go and see that. Uh, this one's a fun one that I saw uh, just now. Uh, Shannon McClung. I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Oliver Stone was recently in L.A. at uh, the Vista, th- no, not the Vista, the one in uh, Los Feliz, at one of the theaters there, and he was uh, showing that is the Vista, isn't it? Was it the Vista? He was showing JFK, and in one of the conversations about JFK, uh, he was uh, speaking with IndieWire's filmmaker Toolkit Podcast and said that he uh, had originally cast Marlon Brando for the Donald Sutherland role in JFK. Would you have liked to have seen Marlon Brando play that role in the end instead of Donald Sutherland in that massive scene there in the middle of the film? Go. I mean, I'm trying to think. What, JFK came out in 93? Yeah, I think that's right. 93, 94, somewhere around there. Um, You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like towards the end. 91, Shannon. 91 was it 91 because i thought maybe okay so it was the same year as robin hood um uh i I think towards the end marlon brando ended up being more of a hindrance than a help Mm. and donald sutherland's performance in in that uh sequence was unquestionably amazing so ultimately i think uh, oliver stone made the right decision because Oliver Stone already a little a little nut a little bit of a nutter (laughs) you throw marlon brando in there as well that seems as that seems like a like a dynamite and gunpowder next to each other. Fair enough, fair enough. And it's a good reminder from Shannon McClung to see the the program. Is that what's what's it called? The uh, the one on Paramount Plus about the Godfather. The offer. The offer. It's the right time to see. <laughs> All right, Michael, your your thoughts. Marlon Brando playing the Donald Southern role. JFK, ninety one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Shannon on this one. I think Marlon Brando. Listen, when Marlon Brando's in his prime, nobody does it better than Marlon Brando, and he was hot AF. Um, but near the end, man, Marlon Brando. I'm telling you that gif that people send of Marlon oh. Brando. You know that gif where you're like, where he's like biting his lip, like that oh, Marlon yeah. Brando biting your lip. I can't look at that gif. <laughs> I, that gift get like that gift gets me hot and bothered. Like Marlon Brando biting his lip and putting his eyes up and doing a little like, like I can't do it. It's too much. But I don't think that the Marlon Brando that we would have gotten in in uh, JFK was gonna do me like that gift did me. Like it just wasn't gonna be the same thing. Um, also, now that you brought up JFK, I just am thinking of the Seinfeld episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is what Oliver Stone said. If I had been dumb enough to go to Marlon Brando, we all love him, of course, but if he'd said yes, it would have been fuck. That scene would have gone on for twice the length. Uh, and I think he's absolutely right. Because I would say, and, I, and I'm, I'm not bullshitting you, I recently rewatched that scene last week. It's like a 9, 10, 15 minute scene. It is the best scene in the movie. It is one of the master scenes of filmmaking that you're ever going to watch from the editing to Sutherland's performance to Costner's reaction to Sutherland's performance. It is fantastic. I just can't see Brando sitting there fuddling and just talking the whole time. It just would not have worked at all for God's sakes. Um, gentlemen, I'm going to go to Michael. Uh, you first on this one here. Um, are, are we getting out of control with director's cuts? Antoine Fuqua now wants to do a director's cut of Magnificent Seven and Tears of the Sun. Ridley Scott says he has a four and a half hour cut 
of Napoleon. David Ayer just cried to John Bernthal about redoing his Suicide Squad yet again. And Zack Snyder said that he's got a massive director's cut for the first uh, Rebel Moon installment. So are we a little out of control? What has Zack Snyder done with the Just League cut? Uh, are we out of control? Michael, take it away. I mean, yes. Like, there's... Every director wants to show you all their work. Like, everyone does. And and every movie from, from Rebel Moon to the 44-minute Strawberry Shortcake specials coming out on Netflix <laughs> in the next couple months have shit that you had to cut out because you didn't have time, you didn't have the money, you didn't have, like, they're like, you always have these things. And so everybody wanting to be like, let me show you what I got. Like, this, you're, that's, what what's the point of having the original movie then? Like, like the movie is the movie. And there are rare times where seeing the full version, I think, see, like, I like the full version of The Abyss. Mm. over the uncut abyss. I yeah. think the giant cheesy wave that everybody thought was going to be dumb explains a lot of things that don't make sense at the end of the abyss, and I think it's better. But the abyss is like, here's the here's the director's cut, and it's like another 20 minutes. Mm. But these, like, I've got a four-and-a-half-hour version of that. I'm, oh. like, I'm, I'm proud of you. It's great. But, like, it's as long as my one minute is up now. So I'm <laughs> Shannon, your thoughts. One minute. Uh, are we out of control on director's cuts? Uh, no. No, because oh. if there's an if there's an audience for it, if people will pay for it, then no, we're not out of control. It depends on whether or not there's an audience. The right, it, it, it depends if there's an audience for it. Does anybody want to watch a over four hour cut of Ridley Scott's Napoleon movie? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, possibly. Didn't know, uh, didn't know Bob Chapek entered the building. Oh. Hey, 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 hey! Uh, re reclaiming my time. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> And I definitely would love to see David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad because I think that potentially yeah. would be a massively different film. Antoine Fuqua's Tears of the Sun cut, I think I'm good. <laughs> or his Magnificent Seven, I think I'm good as well. And I David, think I'm good. I mean, I'd want to see David Ayer's cut, but what's going to solve Cara Delevingne as the Enchantress? Not a damn thing. So nope. uh, for me, no, I, you can't cut her on that. I don't care what he says. You can't cut her. I'm going to tell bring up this one, this JMB's comment about Strawberry Shortcake Vogel cut, because I'm going to tell you something right now about cuts. <laughs> Not Strawberry Shortcake, but this whole Strawberry Shortcake's head emerges from a pool of water, a la Apocalypse Now. I will tell you 100%. That in the My Little Pony animated movie uh, that Lionsgate released, we yeah. a thousand percent had a scene where Rarity came out of a pool of water with rainbow makeup coming down her face like Apocalypse <laughs> Now, and we had to cut it for time. So there you go. It's your My Little Pony fact for the day. Rarity, Apocaly Apocalypse, Apocalypse, <laughs> Equestria. The whole strawberry patch wanted him dead. Uh, JMB <laughs> says, uh, everyone flood Michael with Brando gift DMs. Yeah, absolutely. I will die. I won't I, I be done for the night. I'll light a cigarette and go to bed. I can't. It'll be all. It's all I got for the evening. Uh, all right. This is our second to last one. This is a visual one. Shannon McClung, I go to you first. A lot of people are clamoring for this certain person to be Wolverine next because of this picture. Your thoughts. Should Daniel Radcliffe possibly be the next Wolverine simply because of this picture, which looks like it was taken off the set of Logan. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? The, the fact that he is a smaller guy like myself and he has gotten uh, and just like abso absolutely shredded, like that is awesome. Um, based off of some of his choices, do I think he could do it? 100%. Is he the guy that I would like to say, see pick up the mantle of Logan? No. 
Wow. All right, Michael. Uh, he did it in 35 seconds. Your thoughts? Does that mean I get 90? You uh, get, no, no, I, you get a minute. I would never in a million years think Harry Potter should play Wolverine. Okay. But now that you've said it, like, that is it. Like, there is a part of me that wants them to do it just because I actually think Daniel Radcliffe is a good enough actor that he could pull it off. Okay. And I think that the turn of seeing the kid who played Harry Potter <laughs> go full Logan and become like, like give him the cigar, like have him like walking around. Like I, it's so fucking crazy that I'm just a little bit kind of on board. Like, I'm like, okay, like maybe that's good. That's good. All right. That was 40 seconds. Good job. You're getting the hang of the game. And one last one. Uh, uh, in this one, <laughs> good job and go fuck yourself (laughs) um one last one and i actually am going to go back to oh actually i go to shannon on this one first uh and this will be the last thing we talk about here uh shannon mcclung you get one minute we lost bob barker at 99 years old didn't quite get to 100 and we lost arlene sorkin the voice of harley quinn this week so thoughts on both of these people you have one minute go um, Bob Barker, you know, depending on when you grew up, uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, I remember The Price of Right being on and always, <laughs> even though he, he had a very funny uh, deadpan reaction to some people's guesses, um, I, it just seemed like he was a very comforting guy to have on the mic. And then having him pop up, not just in Happy Gilmore, but in the little video that he oh and Adam God. Sandler did years later. I'm like, Oh That's my God, awesome. the hospital one? Oh. Yeah, so, so funny. I love someone that has a, a sense of humor about themselves. And Arlene Sorkin, yeah, man. I mean, I watched a video that had her appearance in a soap opera that she was yeah. in that they based the character of uh, Harley Quinn off of, which I yes. thought was incredible and very, very sad, the loser. Okay, Michael, you have uh, th- uh, time. Go ahead, man. One minute, go. Yeah, look, I, I mean... As we talk about this a lot. Like when somebody passes, it's always sad. Um, Bob Barker passing at 99. It's like, you had a run. You did it like good on you. Like you had, you had a good run. Like I'm sad to see you go, but I feel like you went, if I can go like you go, I'm down. Like, let's, let's do it. Arlene Sorkin makes me sad. Cause she was what? 67? 67, 67. Like that is that, that's a shame to me. You know, like when you see people kind of living out their lives, like when you, like, like 67 to me feels like a, and I don't know exactly the full situation of her passing, but 67 to me feels like you still had a lot left that you could have done. Not even just like professionally, but just like right. living your life, going where you wanted to go, loving who you wanted to love. Like there just seems like you had, like the, that, that feels more tragic to me. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. I would, uh, uh, see, okay, let me real quick. Uh, Bob Barker, yes, 100%. Looks like Shannon. I grew up on the prices, right? The man hosted it from 1972 to 2007. You're not going to find many people who are going to be able to do that. And before that, it was truth or consequences. One of the people that my fa- that my parents sat me down in front of the television to watch so I wouldn't have a Spanish accent to my English was Bob Barker. That may be why I sometimes talk like a game show host. And because he taught me how to speak English even when I was in diapers. So, it's a shame to lose him, but as Michael said, 99 years old, you had a fucking run. I'm good at 70, but 99, that's a lot. And much respect to Bob Barker, as close to 100 as you could get without going over. Hey, and uh, the other one okay. is, oh, it's too far. Okay. All right, sorry about that. But Arlene Sorkin, <laughs> certainly sad to lose her at 67. I watched Days of Our Lives as a teenager. I knew about Calliope before she became uh, um, Harley Quinn, and I had no idea that that episode was going to spark Harley Quinn. But let me tell you something. Her and Ashley Eckstein 
two incredible voiceover actresses who created two iconic characters that were not meant to last for too long and have become a huge part of the pop culture nerd slash geek zeitgeist. She deserves an incredible amount of credit for that. She was also a writer and a producer uh, and an actress. So a, a woman who of many talents, sad to lose her, but like every actor and Shannon, I know you can speak to this and Michael to a, a little bit of an extent as well. You want to leave one legacy character, one legacy that they'll always attach to you. We will always have her as Harley Quinn first before anybody else. Uh, who and, and and Tara Strong and Kaylee Cuoco have done wonderful jobs bringing yep. their versions of Harley Quinn. She is the OG and she'll always be the OG. Yep. So rest in peace from all of us here on the Geek Buddies. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll get into our main topic today. And that is the top five movies of the summer as we're i know we're running out of time so we got to jump on this we're right back right after this wild getting wild on a friday afternoon buddies. i may have put booze in this no surprise at all. It's a Friday, man. Come on. It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, all right. Uh, let's yeah, see it's here. almost five o'clock here. <laughs> That's a good point. Empire fans says, I meant geek stupid autocorrect. LOL. Yes, we know. Empire don't, fan. don't apologize. Greek, Greek buddies is a thing. It's true. I, we have to make it happen. The biggest question about the strike is how did the nanny become the president? LOL. They voted her in. That's how she became president. It is wild, um, man. Who, you didn't, who, when you watched the nanny growing up, you didn't know she'd be on the front lines like this. By the way, we just did My Cousin Vinny as a watch-along on the Cinephiles for our patrons, and it occurred to me, because that's 92, that Annie is 94. I wonder if Fran Drescher based a lot of her stuff of what Marissa Tomei developed for her character that won her an Oscar in My Cousin Vinny, because there's a lot of similarities. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch your watch-along, but I watched it recently. Some mm. friends came over and were like, let's watch My Cousin Vinny, and that movie holds up. Oh, yes, it does. It is still funny as shit. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Uh, I'm Two Black Cam says, hello, buddy. Just curious, who is your favorite DC hero? Also, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Mine is Static Shock and Empire. Also, Roka, the Seattle Seahawks are winning 11 games minimum, unlike your sorry team. Bro. 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 Oh, I love how you snuck that shot in. I know, right? <laughs> I don't think you actually really want to know our characters. You just wanted to tell Roka his team is bad. Well, you, know, you, take, you, take, you can take a shot if you pay for it. So I, um, I, I have know. a question. Who would win in a fight between Batman and Superman and also you're a piece of shit? <laughs> also, fuck your NFL team. Uh, yeah, um, a deep, favorite DC hero, gentlemen, uh, Mike Shannon, uh, take it away. What do you got? I mean, Super- mine is definitely uh, uh, King of the Seven Seas, Aquaman, Arthur Curry, and my favorite Star Wars movie is uh, Empire Strikes Back, but uh, of the new ones, definitely Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite DC superhero has always been and probably will always be the Man of Steel himself, Superman. Um, just finished season one of my adventures with Superman this morning, and it might be my favorite version of Superman at the moment because that that series of fucking killed it. Um, and my favorite Star Wars movie is Empire, um, but Rogue One definitely uh, is is coming close. And the last four episodes of Clone Wars actually come close to Empire Ooh, for me as well. Great, uh, great uh, answer, Michael. Yeah, um, you know what? Uh, I would say Jay Garrick. I'm joking. No, my, my favorite DC hero is absolutely Batman, has always been Batman. I like the dark and mystery. 
I like fighting. The guy criminals. that you didn't want on your team? Well, because, you know, he's a human being. I know his limits uh, and his restrictions. But I'll tell you what, Constantine is, has been coming up a close second a lot over the last few years. And I really love Constantine, who is man. DC adjacent, but still counts. So Constantine fucked a shark. Well, what can you say? I mean, I'm saying or, that as or, a compliment. I'm saying that or, as a compliment. Or did a shark. Or, or the shark fucked <laughs> or the shark fucked Constantine. What is happening? Um, I don't want to bring up the celestial in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> what's that big movie that everyone's watching on black demon black demon Two, constantine um <laughs> what is your favorite star wars movie like these two gentlemen empire strikes back but also rogue one real close watched an hour of it on tnt yesterday that tells me that i love that movie I, very much i will say i am very excited though i am going to the hollywood bowl tomorrow night to oh. go see return of the jedi in concert nice Nice. And I am very excited. Is JW it. conducting or who is, is that just a, I do, a JW is not conducting, oh. but because I did miss the John Williams concert at the bowl, because I am an idiot. Um, I was very excited to go see this and uh, hearing, hearing JW's music, even if he won't be there uh, with the full orchestra is going to be awesome. So I'm very excited about it. There you go. Cool. Also the Seahawks are going to win six games total. Enjoy not being in the playoffs. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to our top five films of summer of 2023 uh gentlemen i didn't uh, we didn't plan this one out so who wants to go first and are we going to punt or shall we just kind of give our lists and then we'll talk about the films as we, should we like as our, we... go around that was that's what punting means right we all do our fives we all do our fours we all do our threes that we're saying oh yeah we should do that okay fair but we don't talk about it till the higher one comes up is that correct or what, what, what do we yes do? yeah we'll okay. do it top top 10 style Sounds good. All right, man. All right. Uh, Mikey, do you want to start? I, I, us off? I know what top 10 style is because I supported your show, John. Oh, okay. my God. Oh, Here okay. we go. <laughs> I saw this guy as Austin Powers 30 times, and my life's been a living hell ever since. All right, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. bring it down, Mikey. What do you got? Five. My number five mm-hmm. um, is. Did you do this I'm list? Just, I did. I'm deciding between two. I wrote two down, and I'm deciding uh, which one I'm going to go with. Well, you can make uh, a case for the other one if you want. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my. I'm gonna I'm, number five. Joyride. Wow. Okay. Respect. I, go ahead. I don't think that's on any of our lists. So go ahead. I uh, I I found Joyride to be fucking delightful. I think I laughed harder than I've laughed in a movie in a really really long time. And I thought it was really sweet. And I thought it had something to say. I think a movie that can be really raunchy, funny, and have a fucking point. Is great, and I'm really sad that more people didn't see it. When I came out of the theater at Joy, I saw I saw Joyride with a packed theater. Everybody was dying. Everybody was losing their shit, and I came out going, "Oh my god, I think this is going to be the sleeper hit of the summer." And then everybody slept on it, and it failed. So, uh, if you've not seen Joyride, go check it out. It is funny. Like it is like old school, raunchy, early two thousands R rated comedies. Funny. It is wild and. All four of those actresses knocked it out of the park. So I uh, and I will say it. Shannon's gonna get sad. It it did knock Dial of Destiny off my top five. I wow. I loved Dial of Destiny. Wow. I love Indiana Jones, but as much as I love Indiana Jones and think there was a lot of good about Dial of Destiny, um, I think I'm gonna go with the new generation and give Joyride my number five slot. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we uh, Shannon, you're five. Uh, number five is the one that Michael just made me sad about Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Okay. I'm assuming that is not a punt for you, Johnny. Yeah. Nope, not a punt for you. Although I enjoyed um, the movie with you. Uh, it's not a, in my top five. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, 
going in, hearing all the stories about it, going in with uh, some reservations. I had such a great time with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, even even on a rewatch, even though there are things that that I, I uh, question some some of the creative decisions that were made, um, I still loved seeing you know the man in the hat one last time. Uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a really I thought it was a really nice send off, if not a perfect send off, because we already got that with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just love seeing one last good Indiana Jones adventure. And Mads Mikkelsen, to me, is the number two villain in the Indiana Jones catalog. Wow. Wow. OK. Very strong comments. Mm-hmm. My number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's my number. Is that a punt for any of you guys? Not a punt. Wow. OK. I really enjoyed this one. It's great to go back into the universe and enjoy the guardians of the galaxy again i thought it was better than the second one even though i do enjoy the second one and it does rival the first although the first had a little bit more heart to it i just enjoyed seeing the all of them back together again and look all of those distinctly uniquely different characters got a chance to shine at different times in the movie did it all hold together as well as i was hoping by the end no not 100 percent. certainly the nova stuff i was a little or yeah a little bit uh not nova was yeah nova i guess a little bit off and on but overall though i did enjoy the film I did enjoy what happens in the post credit scenes and what have you. So it was great to be back. And I thought it was a great way for James Gunn to say goodbye to the Marvel Universe for now overall. So that's why I would give it my five. All right, Mikey, you're four. Oppenheimer. Ooh, that's a punt. So, <laughs> all right. So that means I don't talk about it, right? Uh, <laughs> number four is Barbie. Slight punt. punt for me. Is punt for you, Mikey? Yeah. Okay. All right. So my number four is Mission Impossible 7. That is a punt for me. Ooh, nice. I love to hear it. Mikey, you're three. My number three is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Oh, that's a great choice. Not on my list. Shan, is it on yours? That is number three for me as well. Oh, go ahead, gentlemen, please. Um, I, Mutant Mayhem is great. I mean, like from the moment I saw the trailer, I thought the animation style was good. Shannon and I uh, were lucky enough to at Comic Con. They showed us the first twenty minutes, roughly the first twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. Thought it was great, and then seeing it in the theater, I've seen it twice, and I think it's a delight. I think that the four kids who play the turtles have this natural, amazing acting. The the things they're saying are hilarious, and the movie actually has a lot of heart. It does all the things right. It totally changes a lot of the origin story. It takes liberties with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mythos, but I think in really fun and interesting ways. And again, um, it does this thing that, same thing I said about Joyride, in a very different way, which is a movie that can be intensely funny and like laugh out loud funny but also have a really, really strong heart at the center of it mm-hmm. while having this awesome animation style and some kick-ass action. Like, it it literally is a John Hughes movie with turtles, and I'm here for it. Shannon, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, by and large, this is the best written Ninja, Turtle, Ninja Turtles movie we've ever gotten. Wow. I mean, this is, this is, for me, the best, the best Ninja Turtles movie we've gotten. Um, the casting, I mean, when you have Seth Rogen writing and producing... Um, you, you get a lot of the Seth Rogen regulars and they all, you know, came out and just did a fantastic job. Uh, my, my personal favorite, Vogel already knows this, is Rose Byrne as, uh, as, as Leatherhead. Um, but it was, just, it was just a blast to see. And they're really teeing up um, their, their uh, uh, animated series that's going to follow and the sequel where we are going to see a certain belated villain. 
Yeah, it, it didn't make my list, but I loved it. And I agree with Shannon. I it's the it's my favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I think it's the most complete one. The most the, the best one that grabbed the actual vibe of the comic fully. And I thought they did a really nice job with that. Great voiceover work from everybody involved. Iowa, it's the year of Iowa Adabiri with this, with the bear, with uh, Bottoms. Yeah. This woman is uh, blowing up as an actress. And the fact that she's turned off her social media lets you know how big she's getting. So that, to me, is is a fantastic thing to see. And she was great as April O'Neil. And I love the heart of that one. Just those kids and wanting to belong and wanting to be part, fumbling around, stumbling around. But also the fact that you gave the villain a little bit of a human uh, – sorry, how can I – some humanity to the villain – because of what he has experienced, that's why he's the, doing the things that he's doing. So just misguided. I like that as a nice twist in the film as well. So, um, all right, Mikey, you're number three. Oh, and for well, what was your, asking, what was your number three, John? Oh, sorry, my number three is Barbie. So is that still so a punt? That's a punt. Okay, still a punt. So the way we're doing it, for people who don't know, because maybe he hasn't listed top ten, we punt to whoever has it the highest, then we discuss it. So uh, go ahead, Mikey. What's your number three? Yes, two. Or no, two, two. 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 My right. number two is Barbie. Okay. So is that the highest position? I think the three of us. So yeah, go ahead, Mikey. Barbie. Um, yeah, look, Barbie is as someone who worked at a toy company and knows what goes into trying to take your toy <laughs> brand and make a movie about it. The fact that this movie got made still mystifies me. Like, I don't understand how Mattel let it happen, but I'm glad that they did. Like having a movie that on the one hand celebrates Barbie for all that she is, while at the other time admitting that Barbie isn't everything that she thinks she's cracked up to be and letting that play out and letting Ken discover the patriarchy. I mean, every single thing they did again, it comes back to sort of what I think I'm going to say about most of the movies, which is it's laugh out loud. Funny. It's mm. hilarious. Ryan Gosling, I think runs, I think Margot Robbie kills it. I think Ryan Gosling steals the movie. I think Ryan Gosling is so funny. Um, and yet at the same time, it's really sweet. Like I got choked up. I, I got a little teary eyed near the end and I know a lot of people that did. I mean, I get why women were running out saying fuck the patriarchy. And I understand why every time I went to the Grove for a two week period, most of the people at the Grove were wearing pink male and female because it was a happening. It was cool. And it was also just fun to see people this excited about a movie like it's been so long since you saw just everybody coming in droves and that made me as someone who loves movies uh really really happy Shan, your thoughts on barbie yeah i mean i thought this was so so funny and I, I, across the board the the supporting cast um but definitely margot robbie and ryan gosling i thought they were just so so funny it was very very enjoyable again i love to see even if a movie doesn't check all the boxes for me i love to see an audience into a film mm. um i do think it kind of runs out of gas at the end um but i did I, I enjoyed it enough for it to be number four on my list yeah i've seen it three times now and i have not not enjoyed it so it is a fantastic film incredibly well written there is more to get out of it when i initially watched it the first time i thought to myself i got it i don't need to see it again i convinced the lady outlaw to go she did not want to go she thought it was just going to be uh yeah let's love the barbie doll type of thing and when she came out of it she had a so such a great experience at it because she is a feminist and enjoyed a lot of the feminist stuff that was going on in that movie but also created space for the dudes to exist as well and Last night, I rewatched the behind the scenes on the making of uh, I'm Just Ken, that whole music, that whole musical sequence, which is fantastic. Uh, I just fell back in love with the genius of the movie 
hundred percent. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with um, Greta Gerwig down the road with the Oscars. Cause we've got Saltburn coming out, which is Emerald Fennel's movie. Uh, we've got all these other films that are coming out. Maestro, Ferrari, all these other films are coming out. There's only five best director slots. Will she make it because this film made so much money uh, for the inventiveness and for the genius of being able to turn this film about a doll into a commentary about gender politics and about our world. So I don't know, but it takes a certain level of genius to have done what she did and make it mainstream consumable to the point where it made over a billion dollars and has become the crown jewel of WB's uh, film slate, mm -hmm. possibly the biggest one if it when it's all said and done. So pretty incredible stuff for sure. Um, all right, Michael, well, that was that your number one? So uh, number two, right? So Shannon, what's two. your number two? My number two is uh, Across the Spider-Verse. That is my number two. Yeah, absolutely. You got to punt it. Oh, we're punting. All right. Uh, so, Mikey, what's your number one? I think we already said it, right? Or no? What's across your number the one? Uh, All right, uh, let's yeah, talk Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, let's go. I mean, I think it's one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. I just watched it again the other night. Uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ours hadn't seen it. He came over, so we watched it. And I think it is a like an amazing cinematic achievement. Yeah. Not just an amazing animation achievement. It's just an amazing cinematic achievement. Like the balls of storytelling. I mean, to have a 20 minute Gwen Stacy sequence to open the movie before you get to your opening credits and even dive into miles and then getting into the miles story, an animated movie that like lets its emotional moments, like the whole scene with Rio and miles really take its time. Yeah. Um, everything about Moombatten canon events like all of it and then you know there's just as someone who works in animation and knows how hard animation production is the number of artistic styles the sheer amount of characters like the scale of the movie and to end it on a cliffhanger that is like empire strikes back good mm. like you know like everything that happens in the last 15 minutes of that movie uh gears you up like every time i watch it i even though i know we're getting to it to be continued the last 15 minutes amps me up so much because it just takes all the emotional pieces of this movie and just like goes balls out uh with an amazing score and drum beat that's just as intense as what's happening emotionally like it's like but definitely my favorite movie of the summer probably my best movie of the year and uh maybe going on the list of some of my greatest movies of all time Wow. All right. Shannon, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, agree with uh, almost everything that Vogel said. I mean, it's just it is a beautiful movie to watch, to take in for the eye. Um, it is so funny. It has such incredible heart. I mean, the type of film that can make you sit on the edge of your seat, make you shed a tear and make you laugh all at the same time. I mean, this one kind of had it all. The only place where it, it doesn't get to number one for me and it doesn't surpass into the Spider-Verse is that cliffhanger ending. To me, it's mm. like, this is not a complete story. Um, by the time Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out, I may, I may sing a different, I may sing a different song. I mean, it might be like when Return of the Jedi came out, I'm like, yep, Empire was, Empire is the best one. Mm. So that's possible. But as of right now, it is, it is in second place on my list and in the Spider-Verse trilogy. I can yeah, argue I, with you why it is a complete movie, but we don't have time. So I would say <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try Maybe on the next. Uh, oh, I'll, as well. oh, I'll do it. Okay. Oh, I'll do it. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, this is um, how do you follow up an incredible film uh, like Into the Spider Verse? Uh, 
you knock it out of the park like this. I mean, it's such a cinematic achievement, as you were saying, Michael, earlier. The voiceover work here is incredible as well. The tenderness, the softness that they uh, achieve here, the connection, the vulnerability, the frustration of Miles when he's when Peter B. Parker, when he finds out Peter B. Parker is connected to what Miguel is doing, the anger in the front, and the fact that at the end, there is this real independent thought moment that is a badass moment that makes you cheer for this kid. But the, you strip away all the superhero stuff. It's about a kid who has a special gift and he's trying to find a way to function with it in his life at a young age with the responsibilities that he has at school, responsibility he has with his parents, and oh, possible feelings that he has for a woman or a girl who is feeling like the last time she tried this angle, it hurt her feelings way too much. How do I navigate that? So there's so much that he had to navigate and he's coming into his own. And how many of us haven't uh, gone on our own journey to find our voice? So there's a universality to it that I think it really works beyond the incredible visuals, the fantastic uh, sceneries or uh, sorry, set paces and places we got to visit throughout uh, uh, that film. It is just a, a, an incredible achievement. 2023 may go down as one of the greatest years in movies by the time it's all over, despite all the madness going on now with strikes and what have you. Um, all right, Mike, we already did your number one. So we'll swing to, around to Shannon. What's your number one? Uh, my number one, shockingly, is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part wow. One. <laughs> to me, like, like I think uh, Across the Spider-Verse belongs in the best picture category conversation. I don't think Mission Impossible does, but what I do think Mission Impossible is, is what a summer movie is supposed to be. Mm. Um, it was just exciting from moment one until the credits rolled. And for someone that has not traditionally been a a fan of this franchise, like they're fine movies. Um, but as we talked about, you know, we walk walk out and we're like, I know, I don't know what that'll happen. <laughs> this one actually, this one actually stayed with me, and I thought more and more and more about it. And um, yeah, I mean, this one just checked off all the boxes for me. I thought we had such a fun villain in Isai Morales and Palm uh, Clementif. Yeah. Uh, it was just, I mean, I love a team working together and uh, the the IMF team in this just, uh, this was just such a fantastic film, fa fantastic film to watch before the, uh, the few times that I did go see it in the theater. Yeah, it's on my list. It's my number uh, four. Uh, I loved uh, MI7. I've seen it twice now. And in uh, that's also a film that ends with another one coming and and but i feel as shannon i think might feel as well it's a more complete film that doesn't leave you on the cliffhanger necessarily kind of wraps up what it's supposed to do but still teases what's coming uh and this is one of the best tom cruise performances i've ever seen as well in, in any of these films and the hey and Haley atwell is just i don't know what it's going to take because she delivers a fantastic performance in this movie and it was great to get back in touch with the imf and all the different uh, people involved in it and great return of henry Cheerney as uh the somewhat villain here in this which was so good you didn't know how much you missed him till he showed back up again you're like oh yeah this is the great uh villain of the entire series to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with tom the way he does it's so so damn good can't recommend it enough and isai morales i mean great to see a 1980s actor still show you what he can do and shout out to that latino motherfucker it's so great um I mean, so then my number one is oppenheimer I mean, I just, that's to me the greatest film of the year so far for me, top to bottom, an incredible story uh, that explores one man's desire to achieve a certain level of fame, overcoming his own questions about himself, his mental health issues, 
and finding the thing that he's supposed to do in the world and then realizing the consequences of that pursuit in such stark fashions and how that can affect his life. The performances, the writing, the direction, the story, the gripping nature of it all. I've seen it four times now. It is one of these films that is not ever going to let me go. And it is an instant classic, like 1917 was an instant classic to me. And it is one that will be analyzed and dissected for many, many years to come. And I don't know that Nolan's ever going to do a better film than this film. This might be his Citizen Kane, that he's never going to do better than this movie because it is such a complete film from top to bottom that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, gentlemen, uh, I know, or anybody, if you guys want to chime in on Oppenheimer, yeah, I mean it's it's number four, my. I don't, you know, it's it's right. it's, it's it's no Ninja Turtles, uh, <laughs> Mattel doll, or uh, Spider Man. <laughs> uh, no, I, look, I love I love Christopher Nolan, and I loved the experience of sitting in this theater and watching. I thought, I think, and I said this when I came out, like Nolan's ability to have an extended 15 to 20 minute scene where a bunch of dudes are just talking sciencey gobbledygook, <laughs> but have a score that is so intense yeah. that you're just like, Oh shit, it's getting real. You're like that. Like you just, they're just walking around talking about, Hey, we should put a school here for the people's families. And it's like, boom, boom. <laughs> like it is, it, it is it, his ability to like take something that is not that. Oh, okay. We've got a dog in the, hey, uh, <laughs> we've got his, you know, his ability to, oh. uh, his ability to do that is, is great. And I thought Oppenheimer was amazing. Wow. It didn't, it's not my favorite Nolan film though. Like, I think he, I think it's a great oh, wow. achievement. It's not my okay. favorite of Nolan's movies. I think there's others that kind of like just catch me and get me swept up a little bit more. Um, I do think it's funny. I saw it with a good friend of ours, our buddy Paul, mm. and we got out of the movie and I said, so what did you think of the movie? And he goes, what is it that Peter Griffith says on Family Guy about why he doesn't like The Godfather? And I was like, I don't remember. He goes, it insists upon itself. I feel like this movie insists upon itself. And I think maybe that colored my opinion because it was as we were walking out of the theater, he goes, I just feel like Oppenheimer insists upon itself. And I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed it, but I also don't think you're wrong. Fair point. Shannon, any words on Oppenheimer as we wrap uh, up this section? Um, Oppenheimer would have been number six for me. Um, wow. And with with Gran Turismo as an honorable mention. <laughs> um, yeah, Gran Turismo was damn good. But with Oppenheimer, I think the I, I think there are sections that are the greatest things Nolan has ever done, and there are sections that, on a second viewing, I'm like, man, I am checking out of this hardcore. Um, and it's and it has nothing to do with the performances. I thought the performances were all fantastic, but yeah. there are just certain sections of the story that are so compelling. Mm. Um, and there are others that I'm like, now I can go to the bathroom. Uh, so for me, it would, it would probably be Nolan's number four film okay, behind Batman begins dark Knight, and inception, but I still, I did enjoy it. Okay. All right. You put interstellar higher on the list for me. Oh, you two insist upon yourselves. All right, let's uh, let's hit, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it for our uh, segments here. But let's hit our final stream labs and get on out of here. I know we've gone over two hours, so thank you all and thank you to these two gentlemen for hanging out as long as we are hanging out here. Greg Mod says, "I think Star Wars should be rebooted slash reimagined." The story starts off saying in a galaxy far, far away, who's telling the story? Is it told by word of mouth like a game of telephone? The end of Ahsoka should have uh, should have Hu Yang saying, "Here's what really happened." Uh, and I want an Oliver Stone movie about President 45 called I Did Everything Right, LOL. Also, just started director's cut streaming service. People will quickly 
understand they really don't want that. Wow, that's a lot of vomiting up there, Greg. All right, respect. By the way, I, I agree with that last point. <laughs> you, you think you want it. Yeah, that's, a <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, Greg Mott says, the irony of WB hedging all their bets on the flash just to have Barbie come in and take the summer awesomeness. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, yeah. Hot security guard. This is our last one. He says, Hey guys, do you think Rachel Zegler is risking becoming like Taylor kitchen? Jai Courtney were on paper. She's taking on all the right projects and offers she's getting, but the results just aren't clicking with audiences and maybe she needs to get better media training as well. Uh, certainly uh, hitting on the snow white uh, stuff, which is rumored to be, uh, delayed possibly the live action Snow White with her and Gal Gadot certainly doing no favors on these uh, red carpet lines talking about it. So gentlemen, what do you think? Do you think Rachel Zegler, who's never had a hit in the box office, do you think uh, she has insisted upon herself and might be uh, quickly going the way of the dodo? I, you know, I'm hesitant. Like, look, she's young. I, yeah. I think she's yeah. great. I think she's great. I, like I, I love Spielberg's West Side Story. I still, I will, I will die on that hill. That I mean, I think it is a fantastic movie. Agreed. It's it's old school Spielberg to me, and I love it. And I think she is absolutely amazing. Um, I think she's a great actress. Do I think that the way that she frames things up uh, in interviews and on the red carpet uh, isn't doing her any favors? Yeah, I don't think. Some people like take what she said. Like I've seen these people. She says, "Yeah, I never really liked the old Snow White," and everybody starts talking about Snow White like it is some sacred cow. When every <laughs> Disney fan knows that that movie, uh, we all love Snow White, we love the ride, but like that movie is old and dated, and some of the things are a little silly. Like she doesn't even talk to the prince who comes and kisses her at the end. So everybody's saying that Snow White is so good, and Rachel Zegler, how dare she come up against? I I do think she's a little bit unfairly maligned. Sure. That being said she's there are certain actors like the Ryan Reynolds of the world that just seem to like float down a red carpet and say whatever. And you're like, yeah, you can do no wrong. And then there's others that you're like, uh, that's going to bite you in the ass. <laughs> Fair enough. Shannon, uh, is she going to go the way of Taylor kitchen? Jai Corning? Uh, it possibly, yeah, possibly. I mean, I think she is, I think she is better than mm. than uh, uh, Jai Courtney, um, Taylor Kitsch in the right role, maybe not. Um, like I thought she was great in West Side Story, even though West Side Story as a musical, I I it's not my favorite, uh, and that has nothing to do with the production. It's just the source material. I'm like, eh, okay, Sharks and Jack, right? Got it. Um, you know, Shazam two. No one no one came out of that looking good. So that's not yeah. really that's not really uh, uh, something with her. I mean, I think when she was kind of quoted saying that, like, you know, if I if I'm standing there all day in a princess costume, I deserve to be paid. I think that was a pretty tone deaf comment. But also, as you guys mentioned, she's she's young. She's yeah. a kid. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think if this Snow White doesn't work, I mean, it's it's possible that maybe she's not going to be she she's probably not going to be the star going forward as possible. Yeah. We've got two movies to watch on this one because uh, the hunger games movie as well, that she's going to be leading. So we're going to have to see how both of those films do to let us know where she ranks in terms of public acceptance in terms of talent. I think there's no question. She's incredibly talented, much more talented in my opinion than Taylor Kitsch or Jai Courtney. Uh, and I want to see what happens, but yes, I mean the way she responded and I'm, I have not turned on Rachel ever even though she's got that theater kid vibe like Anne Hathaway had but that response where she's like wrong, wrong I mean there's a bit of snideness to it that I think people aren't cool with so do I think 
she's being unfairly maligned? Yes, but also you've got to be aware of the world that you're in and how to present this stuff. And to do it on a Disney red carpet, I think, is another yep. strike a little bit in, in not understanding the room, so to speak. Yeah, Mike, John Carter were... of Mars, guilty pleasure. <laughs> there you go. Throw it on the pile. <laughs> I, I like watching it. You do. All right. Haunted underscore Autumn says, life has been a real hurricane of uncertainty lately. Thank you all for providing a bit of joy and relief in this storm. Godspeed, Geek Buddies. Thank and hurricane for us in LA, so we get it. It's true. And yes, Empire thank you. Fan, Empire Fan 1980 says, it'd be so funny if they finally reveal who Uncle Ben was and it was Joe Pesci, LOL. I would pay all of my dollars. <laughs> Wait, all of my dollars. Wait, what's the reference? Why am I missing this? Spider-Man. Marissa Tomei, Marissa Tomei, Tomei. May. Oh! So what if like they finally, like Peter's Uncle Ben was Joe Pesci? Hey, it's New York. It would work. Oh my God, that's great. Peter, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Peter. May, get you think over this is here. funny? Peter, you think this is funny? <laughs> Haunted underscore Autumn says, I need the box quote on the Oppa Hunter Blu-ray to be, it's no Ninja Turtles, Michael Vogel. The geek yes. You think, you think someone's going to pick up my quote? I'm into it. They can have it. Anyone can have it. It's no Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do, though, if you've got three and a half hours. Um, all right, well, there you go. comes great responsibility. Or oh, the back of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I'll put your head in the vice. I'll put your head in the vice. Uh, uh, you youths, you youths today. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for watching this live episode of Geek Buddies, which we're wrapping up here. Went 15 minutes over than what I was hoping we'd go, but we thank you all very much for hanging out with us. We hope we entertained you tonight heading into this holiday weekend. Enjoy your day off on Monday for Labor Day. For those who uh, take the day off on Labor Day, we uh, hopefully you'll catch up on some of the Geek Buddies uh, um, uh, reviews and shows uh, for as well. Uh, but uh, Shannon, uh, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to get some more unconventional poll quotes, follow Michael Vogel <laughs> at MKToon. <laughs> and if you would like to throw out some Joe Pesci references that Roca might not get right away, the- you can follow him at The Roca Says. So funny, because we just did the My Cousin Vinny watch <laughs> earlier today. So, Michael, please take it away. Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed uh, this wild and crazy Friday with the Geek Buddies. Uh, and we hope you don't forget that John Roca likes these live shows because he likes to touch the people. Hey, oh. Uh, and here is what you can do that we, to help us keep doing what we do. Smash that like button below. Uh, blip, blip, blip. Check out the Outlaw Nation page and all the amazing content that John Roca has going on. Uh, leave your comments below uh, on the YouTube page. Let us know what you thought of this video. Let us know what you thought of literally everything we talked about. It was a lot. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can all do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them all to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, that's Michael Sarah, the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, guys. We get thousands of you who watch every week. Subscribe to the podcast. Help us out on that front as well. And Derek Johnson, one last stream, stream last super chat said, got to do a show where you all discuss and deep dive your guilty movie pleasures. Well, could be a lot of fun. We've been talking about a night buddies. We will see if we do a after dark buddies. <laughs> that could be a fun one with some drinks in us for sure. So in togas. Who- and talk us exactly the Greek buddies at night. Um, all right, there you go. Thank you all so much. Uh, you guys are the best. We appreciate it madly. Thanks for all the Streamlabs super chats and the lively chat. Uh, and don't forget, we just did our Ahsoka spoiler review. For those who are catching up on that show, that is up there for you all to watch as well or listen to on the podcast feed. Until next week, enjoy your holiday, and we'll talk to you next time. 
with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.